Welcome to episode 57 of Zap to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Graham Raddings. If you have not listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our first batch of games from issue 27 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and we were wowed by Whizball, mortified at the port of Mario Bros., and unimpressed by UFO. This week we continue our look at the games in July 1987, along with what was lighting up our TV and cinema screens that month. So Graham, is it a bag of delights or a bag of crap in this episode? In this scenic and well-located but bumpy ant-covered campsite, with fusty-smelling TPs, broken chemical toilets, a sub-zero temperature shower block, and a kitchen that looks like a badger version of the film Hostel, of an episode. We don our best play chinos and Pringle jumpers, grab our clubs and smack our balls across the glorious fairways in the excellent world-class leaderboard, go for an 8-bit motocross scramble on our wasp-powered blocky scooters in the decidedly awful Enduro Racer, and work our way through an utterly pointless and seemingly endless series of option screens looking for a decent game in Samurai Trilogy. We also explore the unfortunate fusion of dull, slow isometric gaming and awkward icon-based controls in the sluggish Greyfell, Legend of Norman. Investigate the grey sideburn-hating assassination and the inexplicable controls of the Sydney Affair, and then dive once more into the better-designed, albeit still technically hampered, isometric spectrum game conversion of The Great Escape. If the resounding cacophony of a thousand flatulent drunks hasn't quite eased you into a relaxing sleep, and do you think this may be the time to break out the 129 decibel air horn, we also powder our glutes and put on our spandex shorts for some double-trouble ring grappling in the derisable tag-team wrestling, get our two-player scrolling shoot-em-up Gideon in the zippy, sprightly and biggened eagles grab our helmets and shoulder pads as we head to the line of scrimmage for some impressive first person hand egg that's american football to you and me in the excellent gfl championship football before finally heading into the mcfungus estate to interview some dodgy suspects and solve an interesting 8-bit murder mystery in the detective some of these games sheesh i suppose there is at least a chocolate flake and some nuts to go with this load of dirty whipped turd flavored ice cream we will shall wait and see <laughs> <laughs> The results are in. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think uh, that might tell us all we need to know. <laughs> we don't even need to do like a summary, I think. A pricey of this episode. That'll do it. That'll, That'll do it. That'll that, do. Will, that, that really will do it. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Right. But it, uh, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. There's a, you know, there's it's a, not. It's not. It'd be very so, easy to sort of just say that, wouldn't it? But, you know, we have to play these games through and t- talk about them. That's why we do it. That's why we're here. It Sometimes it's good. Sometimes not as such. <laughs> yeah, more, to, more often than not, it's not. <laughs> uh, but there you go. That's us. This is what we're doing. We're talking about C64 games. So let's get on with it, shall we? Enough of this roaring. And let's move on to our very first game this week. And that game, well, it's the third in the series. So, Graham, tell us all about 
world-class leaderboard. World-class leaderboard is obviously... Now, I'm guessing that Bruce Carver and Roger Carver are either really keen golfers, or were, are, and bowlers, or both. Because uh, they seem to be making these games, don't they? I don't. Do they do other games? I guess they did they, that shoot one, didn't they? So this is Access Software. Bruce, Ro- Bruce and Roger are back. Um, this is the follow-on from the executive edition of Leaderboard, um, which was the weird sort of two-course hybrid between this... Uh, world-class leaderboard and leaderboard um and then i think i think there's actually been four things altogether, hasn't there original leaderboard there was extra courses there was executive edition and then world-class leaderboard yeah and this is by a country mile the best of the leaderboards this is this is the one this is the de facto leaderboard game you'd either play the first one and be well impressed by it and then you'd play this one because i i mean i played executive for a bit and it's easy to think well there's not much in it but they sort of seem to throw a lot more into the into the world-class leaderboard so what is it all about? Well, I'm not going to go into the full-blown description of leaderboard golf because we've discussed leaderboard before, and this this isn't a change in direction as such. This is a golf game, multiplayer golf game, uh, simulation, if you like, played over. Now, this time, you've got, um, I think, is it three real courses, as in the, real, the actual real places? Cypress Creek is a real golf course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Three Doral, them, yeah. So, so there's Cypress Creek, Doral Country Club, and St. Andrews, obviously. They're all famous golf courses. Gauntlet Country Club, which is a good name, isn't a real one, but it is rock hard. It's really stupidly hard. Yeah, yeah. So it makes me think that there probably should be a golf course like that, but I think it would be impossible. So you've got these four courses to play in this, and you've even got a course designer in here as well, mm. and you've got all sorts of other stuff thrown in. So the leaderboard ante has been upped here. You've got, obviously... Graphic graphic qualities. I think it's. I would say it's thinking it's better. I think there's more colours in it, which gives it a better better feel and scope. I think it draws a little bit quicker than the original leaderboard as well. And you've got trees, and you've got bunkers, and you've got all the other things that are in executive edition. You've got that plus you've got an extra couple of. I think you've got pra- you can practice do practice putting and driving. I think in this, so that's another enhancement you've got. And there's a few other extras which I'll come to in a minute as well. But primarily, you've got another leaderboard golf game this time with some really great courses. More. I think there's been some tweaks under the hood a little bit here. So, like I said, you've got these extra courses. Um, you've now got a course overview button, which you've never had before, which is if you press the T button, you get mm. like that top-down view of the golf course, which is stupidly, ridiculously handy. You've also got yeah. what they call a punch <laughs> shot, which is like a... I think it's like, I think it's like a mute... I don't know how you describe a golf shot in terms of other than what it is, but it's this, it's a kind of shot you would use to get out of a certain situation, isn't it, the punch shot? So you get yes. to try and chip you out of a bunker, I think you'd use a punch well, shot. Well, you pun- use the punch shot to keep it low to get under trees. When yeah, you're under trees, trees and stuff like that. So that's And that's why, because you can get stuck behind trees in this. Now, I, weirdly, I don't remember getting stuck behind a lot of trees when I played Executive Edition. When I played this, it was the return of the banana golf course because <laughs> I, was, I could not hit this thing straight. And that's because... Underneath the hood of this, there's a slight tweak to the way the power works. Now, it's, it's, barely, it's barely perceptible, but if you go from playing leaderboard to playing world-class leaderboard, it's a slight change in the, the acceleration towards the power bar. So the power bar goes up, and then obviously you have to hit it to determine whether you're going to slice or hook. Um, that's actually increased in speed slightly. So it's actually a little bit harder to hit it bang on. And that's also dependent on the levels which you choose, which are in this one, kids novice and professional i think or kids amateur and professional i think are those three the the Mm. determining ways and that obviously has a a massive difference on how you do it i tried to play this on professional by the way it was just ridiculous it was i mean that's me being ridiculous at controlling it not the game the game was a bit great me it was just it was stupid i think i got to something like plus 19 on one anyway boy with the details of my golf fiasco so you can also get principal scorecards in this as well which is a nice touch 
The course editor. I didn't tinker around with the course editor much. Did you tinker around with that at all? I did uh, sort of I, try, but I didn't I, really get very far with it. No, I tried to load it and it crashed. So. Yeah, yeah maybe it, it may very well. I'd say I didn't spend a lot of... I never really played a lot of... If I got these games, even back then, I didn't spend a lot of time building stuff on them because... It takes ages, and I just wanted to play the golf game, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this it all, it all really comes together in this. So underneath all of the little minute changes and the extra courses and the printable this and the top-down view of that and the extra shots and the little tweaks here and there, it's it's the best golf game on the Commodore 64 ever. I mean, this this is the one. This is it. You know, this is the pinnacle of golf games. It never got any better. It would never be any better. And no one's ever going to be able to beat world-class leaderboard as being the greatest golf game. And these are the people that made leaderboard, so... All you can really say about world-class leaderboard is that it's genuinely, if you hadn't bought leaderboard the first one, I think you could justify, you would just buy this one if you come to this. If you mm-hmm. had already bought leaderboard and you hadn't bought executive edition, because why would you? Yeah, I think I think you probably would find yourself thinking, actually, because of all the extras I'm getting in this version of world-class leaderboard, I think I would have bought it. It's only $9.99 still. Yes. Um, so you're getting a lot of game fee money. There's a lot of engine tweaks and a lot of enhancements. I think the, I think the graphics load a bit faster and a bit better. It has a bit more golf logic about it as well. Because you've got bunkers, because you've got the trees and the extra shots, you've got to think about you're playing a little bit more, and that makes it much better. And as a multiplayer golf game, it's absolutely the best one. It's just, it's just the best one of the... It is the best golf game on the Commodore 64 ever, and it's certainly one of the greatest sports games on the Commodore 64 as well. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, you mentioned before, subtlety of sounds and little things. The, the animation of the, the guy is kind of the, the, the de facto animation of a golf guy. It's kind of how I expect them to be now. So yeah, I really liked it, and I think even the loader on this was pretty reasonable and prompt. There was an option to do speed loading. I didn't bother with that because it never works on an emulator. At least it doesn't for me. No, no, I, I don't. Yeah. I can't speak for what this might have been like to load in off cassette, um, because each of the each of the loads is kind of it's fairly substantial on the disc, but it, it's on an emulator. You kind of it's it's an artificial view of what it might have been like. I, I never played it on cassette, so I don't know. I only ever had this on disc. So for me, it's leaderboard. I can't say much more about a golf game like leaderboard other than because we kind of waxed lyrical about it for the first game. And this is just loads more stuff in it and slightly better. So it's world-class leaderboard at 94%. I think I w- I'd be tempted to give this a bit of a higher rating. And the scoring of it on the actual review was a bit weird anyway. But what do you think? I, I mean, yeah. what can you say about it? It's great, right? I mean, yeah, it's more bloody golf. Yeah. But, but seriously, well, it's, it's bloody. Pretty- you're doing, well, you're doing it wrong if you're doing it like that. Well, I did, did see some of my shots. <laughs> it can't be worse than mine. I had the worst some... scorecard in the universe. <laughs> I, guess I, was, I think I was plus plus 11, I think. God. Well, um, to be fair, I was Calibos, and Calibos is, is, you know, he is he has this advantage when it comes to the golf course. So He's, he's not got proper hands, has he, to hold that club? No. no he's, got like, ang- yeah, he's got anger issues. and well, it's not offense, really he, right. He's actually got one hand missing since Perseus chopped it off, so... <laughs> That's not going to be good for holding a golf club. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's a, it's a genuine disadvantage. <laughs> Seriously, though, uh, it's, yeah, like you said, it's probably the best golf game on the system in it. Probably yeah, the highest side of the right. Yeah, it builds on both the original leaderboard and then takes all the uh, things that executive leaderboard brought to it as well. But it just brings all those elements together properly. It adds a course editor, real life recreations of three famous courses. It gives you a top down view of each hole. It just gives you more leaderboard. And this is the sequel that it should have been. You know, executive, just put it to one side. Just let's not talk about executive. It's just, it's there. It's on the side because I've got, hey, what about me? However, um, it's great as ever. It feels like the proper sequel. 
um, especially with that ability to edit the courses and save your own versions of them, which, you know, would if you were dead into this with your mates and everything, this would just give you unlimited golf. Well, it's, long, it's longevity, isn't it, for something like this? I mean, yeah, it's amazing. Really um, so the presentation is top-notch as ever. The visuals are as good as ever. Although uh, the one thing I would say is that I, I, I do miss those Horizon visuals that we got in Executive Edition. I thought you they know, were in there. I didn't see them. Maybe, I won't, maybe are they well, on different fair, courses? Well, no, to be fair, because if, if you go to the website as i have by the way of the cypress creek golf course it isn't handily enough placed with a city in the view in the background well you see that's what i miss (laughs) i miss them (laughs) uh but because you had that sort of lighthouse and stuff anyway it's it's a little thing but it's just weird uh but i can see why they didn't because you know it's just looking like leaderboard so the sound effects as good as ever as we've noted it's more leaderboard what what do you want to say it's time. It's absolutely worth the asking yeah. price. Unlike like, executive, yeah, this yeah, is a, yeah, you know the, the pinnacle. The multi like the like, and as you noted, I I yeah. would have played this on tape, but I don't remember, and so I can't say because I imagine the multi like might have been a bit crap. Um, loading every hole in, um, that would have been a bit of a yeah. chore. No, I no think one likes on tape. That. No one likes to load every hole. No, it's a it's a recipe for crapness. So I don't know. I can't remember. I'm trying to think back, but I'm because pr- I only ever had a tape tape deck. I never had a disc drive, so it would have. And I know I played this, so I well, obviously you'd remember did. it for. But you'd remember it if it was a problem. So perhaps it was just perhaps just you so, yeah. accept it as part of the part of the course, as it were. <sighs> yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> do, do keep up 007. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, absolutely um so yeah hole in one what i say very so, yes i didn't say that one because i thought you might <laughs> it's gotta gotta be said on it uh yes. it's, this certainly stays out of the rough keeps to the fairway and delivers everything you want from a golf game there you go yes that's for the box a game, a game you can sink <laughs> your balls in <laughs> that's not for the box <laughs> <laughs> yeah they tried they experimented with some cover material and and a few, a, a few deaths were involved. <laughs> and that's where the bloody golf came from. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Absolutely. A few good batterings start, though. Yeah, it is a good start, yeah. Uh, but you're all right. We've, we've waxed lyrical about leaderboard. Everyone knows we like it. There you go. Yeah. So let's move on to our next one, which I'm sure, I'm sure, is going to be just as good. Mm-hmm. Because our next one... <laughs> <laughs> You're giving the game away, man. You're giving the game away. <laughs> Up next. Up next on Zap to the Past. <laughs> it just feels like the end of a trade or something. <laughs> you mean it was Roger all along? <laughs> Stay tuned. What will happen next? What has Roger what done? next time? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, because I'd rather talk about Roger than I would this. Um, this is Enduro Racer. So uh, what's Enduro Racer? So this is a, an arcade conversion by Activision. So we've been praising Activision of 1984 and before for some time now. We've been waxing lyrical. We've been saying how good they are. We've been, you know, the River Raids and the Heroes and the Pitfalls and all kinds of stuff. We've been liking the stuff. Ghostbusters, we liked it all. Decathlon, they're all good. But here we have 1987 Activision porting Enduro Racer, which is the arcade game by Sega. Uh, and they're pointing that obviously to the C64. So just before we get to that, a little bit about the arcade version. Uh, this is another Yu Suzuki game. So he made Hang On, and then he made Space Area, and then he made Enduro Racer. Um, so because he wanted to do another bike game, and he liked Enduro or something, so made a bike Makes game sense. about dirt Makes bikes. Makes sense to do that. Uh, this particular game is built on the Space Harrier hardware, uh, and I'm not going to go over that again, but we've got in detail about that in the Space Harrier review. So if you can't remember what it is, go listen to that. 
suffice to say, Complex. Bl- bloody powerful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this came in two cabinets in the arcade. There was the stand-up one with the handlebar controller and a full-size dirt bike version, which you sat on and controlled that way. So like Space Area before, this was once again Sega flexing its arcade visual muscles in terms of presentation-style visual sounds, the whole the whole thing, the whole experience. You know, you went and you, you this was a reason. You weren't going to get this at home. This was a reason to go to the arcades again. So, you know, in the mid-'80s, going to the arcades was an event. It was cool. It was a nice thing to do. It was. It was um, indeed. And this is another reason why that would have been, because it would have been like, whoa, you're not going to see that at home. But then we did see this at home. We have the C64 version. And so once again, you're trying to squeeze all that arcade goodness, all those bespoke chips, all that power, all that sprite scaling, all that music into a 1982 microcomputer. And well, it's not gone very well, um, to put it put it slightly. Um, Mm. So according to Lemon64, this conversion is by Nick Pelling, who did Firetrack. But according to the title screen, it was programmed by Icon Design with visuals by Focus. So Icon Design will go on to make a game of the Milk Race, which is a bicycle race game. Um, and Focus, you may well remember, Graham, did the visuals for Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, explains a great deal. Among others. Uh, whatever the origin, whoever did this and whoever worked on this, the end result is very poor. So the title screen is quite nice and has a decent David Whitaker loop of a tune and, and has a nice credit screen. It's all right. You know, there's a nice little image on there and stuff like that. There's even a demo, but a demo should make you want to play the game. I always think it should be a you know demonstration. The oh, usual you're way. Do. You know, look look what you're going to win. Um, so when you see this running, it's enough to put you off. So you know, play it. We must. And the first thing to note is the awful controls and sense of speed. So this is a typical you know behind the rider into the screen 3D pole position. Hang on, pit stop two style racer. If you look, you, it's that kind of viewpoint. So you, your racer is in the middle of the track. The track sort of simulates going off into the distance with you know a 3d effect um and in the arcade this was done with lots of raster lines lots of raster bars and stuff and it was very pacey and it was all very colorful and big and blow bold and loud and in your face and everything like that and it's it's that really that you know you, you know the drill by now with these 3d races you push forward to go faster now i say faster uh the speedo in the top left or the top right i can't remember but uh, goes up that does go up it goes up from up all the way up to about 200 kph but the actual sense of speed doesn't seem to alter in any way whatsoever no um so it's it's like a little bit you get a little bit of push at the beginning it's like uh, and then it stops but then the speedo keeps going up there's no real difference from barely moving to like i said going at supposedly 200 kilometers per hour it's, well, it's, la- it's laughable dirt bikes don't go that fast if you hit a hill and a dirt bike going 200 kph, you're going to launch yourself into space. <laughs> you know, well, you don't, they don't. They're about 50, 60 mile an hour tops out there, I think. They don't really, you know, they do. They do. So I don't, I'm not sure if that's just an arcade thing, but if, but if it, you know, it seems silly because there's no sense of speed in this. So you've got a classic arcade racer style. You've got to traverse the course and get to the checkpoint before the timer runs out. It's that kind of thing. There are five courses to navigate. There are rocks and jumps on the road, which you pull, I think you pull back to wheelie over and try and land successfully, but it's so. God knows. God, it's so, un, so unwieldy, the controls in this. Uh, by the side of the road are lumps of various brown things. Uh, it's hard to tell what. I couldn't, what were they? I don't know. Lumps of brown. Lumps uh, of brown. It's an arcade race Mass- in the Massive dog shits, probably with this. <laughs> Absolutely. Proper enduros. Rock hard dog <laughs> shit. <laughs> it took me ages to dump them out. Yeah, so it's, you know, it follows the tropes of hang on out run, that sort of thing. The visuals in the game, in the C64 version, the main sprite kind of looks like a man on a bike, kind of. And there is a semblance of animation as you go around corners in that he just lean and puts his leg out as they do. But the scrolling, uh, but the scrolling as you turn on both the wobbly track and the hills and distance is both slow and jerky, uh, which is not what you want. 
So yeah, the opposing riders have no animation and they float around the course like weightless balloons. Uh, the different stages don't really feel that different and the whole thing feels like it's uh, running at something like a quarter speed of what it should be running. It's, it's a stodge of a game I and mean, it really does nothing to reflect the speed and pace of the arcade game it's based on. Uh, uh, you know, it's a terrible, terrible conversion and, and as to conversions go, this is down there with Breakthrough and Jailbreak for me. It's got 16% and deserves... Yeah, rightly deserves that score. It shows, again, it just shows the pointlessness of trying to squeeze all that power into a machine that just doesn't have it. It's just pointless. It's, just, it's a you know poor representation. Saying that, however, Spectrum version will not bad. <laughs> Weirdly, I yeah. look at the Spectrum version. Yeah. It's not too bad. So if they'd have taken some time with this, then maybe they could have done something decent. But, you know, this is a wobbly, non-animated garbage fest. So, oh, awful. Crap. What did you think? How did you enjoy your time with on the bike in your Jura race you don't enjoy your time it's endurance isn't it and that's how long you can stand to look at the blocky awful nonsense um, there was an entry in games that weren't about this well it's not strictly about this it's actually about um, a supposed sequel to Enduro Racer I don't know whether that's the light of day the reason I mentioned that is because during the investigation into that they discovered that Nick Pelling didn't do this conversion it was actually somebody called Doug Anderson all oh, right so okay go. so and Very but, but i'm sure because i think nick palin's uh is, is responded to one of our tweets before or certainly been on twitter so it'd be interesting to know if, if nick palin if you're out there who did this game and, and we know it wasn't you you're okay yeah but who did it like i said his, na- his name's not on the title screen anyway it's just nah. just on lemon so i'm not sure why i think maybe i don't know why it's been attributed to him who knows and who cares i'm sure it wasn't and this is awful something has gone badly wrong here something went badly badly wrong firstly Whoever decided to convert that arcade was stupid and pointless because, as we've said before, these hydraulic mega arcades that Sega are coming out with, they just don't lend themselves to these kind of hardware. It's just hardware. It's just ridiculous to even think about it. Yeah. Secondly, full price for this. You're having a laugh, aren't you? I mean, to ask, I know it's a license and everything else, so it's clearly this has just been released to try and milk a little bit of the money out of whatever, you know, whatever this... Because I think it's Activision's first arcade conversion, isn't it, as well? Hopefully... If this is the standard they're setting for themselves, the last. So it went badly wrong, didn't it? Uh, this is about mm-hmm. as far away from that Sega Arcade as it gets. I know I went and had a look at the Sega Arcade on the old YouTube just to sort of familiarise myself with it because it's not... I'm not really a big fan of motorbike games. I'll, I'll, I'll just put that out there. I don't generally like them. In the arcades either. I'm just... I like the car racing ones. Just motorbikes aren't my thing, but, that, you know, that's just a thing, personal thing. But I went and had a look at the arcade. This is just nothing like the game that presented to you on the C64 really in any way shape or form other than no. it features no, the name Enduro Racer and there's an attempt on the C64 at some kind of motor vehicle I think it was a bit more like a scooter really that you're on um, <laughs> I mean the arcade isn't amazing it's not my favourite of all those those arcades that came out of Sega's it's obviously an extension of the hardware from Space Hour you can sort of tell if you think about that but where do you start with the problems with this conversion? Well, as you pointed out, juddery slow controls, bad scrolling effects, crappy, boring, rubbish-drawn sprites, terrible, the jumps. When it jumps in the air and he flies up in the air, the, the, the sound effects turn into, it's like you've been attacked by a giant wasp. It's like, yeah, it goes, Wee! <laughs> like it's just really weird. And then just and it, the, when you jump, when you, hit, when you hit a log, I think, it just it's just bad, 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 bad. Now, I, like you, went and checked a couple of other versions, and the Spectrum version, I remembered, in the back of my mind, I remembered an old friend who had a Spectrum saying, oh, Enjoy Race is really good on the on the Spectrum. So I went and had a look, and as you've rightly pointed out, it is a lot better, loads, loads better on there. That's because someone took the time to think about how it actually works and kept it. Mm-hmm. And it, the graphics are quite big on the Spectrum, much bigger, I think, than they are on the C64. And it, look, yeah. it looks more like the Enjoy Race, so kind of a 
like outline version almost because obviously it's a spectrum with sort of see-through graphics and such but this is just a calamity it's an it's an absolute calamity from start to finish absolute garbage waste of time i wouldn't have i mean i didn't i would never have bought this in the first place it's never going to be something i buy or anything like so um absolutely crap no no go be gone enjoy racer get out of here go leave it is be gone <laughs> it, would, it would do that but it would do it really slowly absolutely yeah so yeah enjoy racer crap in it 16 percent. i think 16 percent is generous i have and i mean i know we say sometimes that you know this is the equivalent of that end of casino bit that we talked about for another game but i think they should really <laughs> let give these games the, the scores they actually deserve they should have this should have been one and maybe two percent i don't in fact sometimes i wonder if they should have just say you know what this game is so crap we are telling it's a zero percent don't even think about it just don't because yeah, I don't, don't, I don't see in this any redeeming features that would give that even a percent of difference. What, what is there? Maybe the sound from Dave Whitaker. Maybe I suppose it, it runs. Yeah, and it, well, yeah, that, that honestly, it, it, a motorbike it, it, game without the fun- technically it functions, but yeah, well, that's it. But from the team that brought you Big Trouble in Little China, as soon as I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, here we go. Well, at least the graphics anyway. I thought, yeah, that explains a great deal. When his yeah, legs fly up, I, I, in the arcades, obviously, when you fly up in the air on the big jumps, your legs go up in the air, don't they? Famously, like yeah. it was hilarious when you did that on the C sixty four. The Spectrum version looks like <laughs> this looks good. Ours, it's, his legs are all out proportion and wrong. It's like it's, it's just weird. It's just really weird. He's got really weird crap. shoes and boots on in the C sixty four version. It's like, oh dear. Anyway, enough said. Enough about that. Yeah, his helmet looks like a goldfish bowl. Yeah, it can only get um, better. Yeah, I'm sure it can. I'm sh- well, it must do, really, mustn't it? It must, it must it get must. better than a jewelry. Yes, it, it must, yes, it it must, must. get better. So let's move on to something that's clearly going to be better. Graham, tell us how much better Samurai Trilogy is. Samurai Trilogy is a gremlin graphics dog turd. <laughs> so this is programmed by uh, John Tometsky, who also did Hercules, Slayer of the Damned, and the Spaghetti Western Simulator, which both, by the way, look alarmingly like samurai trilogy odd that and also gary sabin did some of the code i think graphics by bob hawker who did the graphics for hercules slayer of the damned um and <laughs> alan raining is responsible for the headache inducing music for this monstrosity of a game at its core this is a multi-option one-on-one I, no, I'm, honestly this is i'm trying to be general and kind it's a multi-option one-on-one fight fighting game here you can choose, not that you'll know instinctively at all by the names of anything, <laughs> um, from karate, names. kendo, and samurai. Now, I had to question, raise the question at this point, which is, is samurai a fighting style? Because I have a feeling it's actually more of a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing, it's a thing you are. It's a bit like, so it's, like, it's the equivalent <laughs> of saying, you can choose from boxing, wrestling, or knights in shining armour. It's not, it's not, samurai isn't a fight, I don't think it's a fighting style. I think some of those, like kendo is a, I could be wrong, I don't, you know, I'm not Yeah, a, no, kendo, kendo's the one with uh, the thingies on the yeah, sticks, yeah, yeah, but I think that's oh, meant is that to Aikido? No, Aikido's the one that's, uh, Aikido's the one that um, uh, Steven Seagal is like a, you know, super ninja and all that. No, ninja's oh, a it's one where you can thing. snap carrots with your, it, it your bare hands, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it won't matter in this game. Um, so what this <laughs> yeah, is actually, this, this is a frustrating array of pointless uh, option simulation. That's exactly what I've written. Because it's just, it's just the most ridiculous range of option screens I've ever known, just to get to the game, which is so underwhelming by that point. Anyway, I'll come to that. So it has a really st- right off the bat, this has a really stupid way of selecting anything, which also, by the way, isn't consistent. So when you get the options, you have to press right on the joystick. It took me a while to figure this out, by the way. Press right and then 
you press the fire button to choose that particular thing. So you start, and you've got this annoying music that just trundles its way through in this kind of erratic, I want to say sort of uh, Japanese style, but that's, again, me being kind, really. It's just horrible, and it really gets on your nerves after a while. Anyway, so you choose your language from English, it was English, French, German, and I can't remember what the other option was. So I was like, right, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good. You know, it's good that it's multilingual. And then you can choose if you want to load and play a save game. Okay. Then there's a bit of loading. Then you choose your adversary. Now, you've got no information about these adversaries at this point. So it's just it's just a list of names. Because the information about the adversaries comes after you've selected them. You can go back and... I think you can go back and change them. I think you can, but anyway. So you can choose from Tingling, Ho-Wo... <laughs> Tingling, Ho-Wo, Ta-Ming, Po-Shi, <laughs> Li-Wang, and Nan-Pan. I'm pretty sure they're just making this stuff up now. <laughs> so then you get to the more info, which would, I say, would, would I think that would have been useful either on the screen with the names or at least some information about what these people are. So I chose Tingling initially, and just to see what kind of information... And the information that came up, it said this. This is a direct quote from the game. Tingling <laughs> trains by catching cobras in mid-flight. Mid-flight! <laughs> Snakes don't fly. I mean, they ju- I know they jump and bite, but they don't fly. You can't catch cobras mid-flight. You can't. They don't fly. Anyway, he believes that he believes the cobra stew he then makes yeah. helps keep him fit. Cobra stew. I think it's just easier stews to make. You don't need to catch cobras to make cobra stew. It, it's never going to help. Especially flying, especially flying cobras. It's they're not, really rare. It's not going to keep you fit. There's a reason why they're rare, because they're obviously easy to catch. Anyway. Um, so And also, by the way, I also went back and changed and chose um, Ho Wo, just to see what kind of information came up about him. Ho Wo hurled the two-ton Chang Rock at a, at a fleeing pirate ship and sank it. Hence his new army pen name, Wo Rocky. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know who wrote this <laughs> nonsense. It's just stupid, utter selector screen garbage. Anyway, after that, you get to the battle honours, because you can't just go into the game after this. And the battle honours. Tingling's honours are numerous. He was the Imperial Standard Bearer at Ko Lang and is a Supreme Warlord. And Wo-Ho, wo, or Wo-Wo, is it Wo-Wo or Wo-Ho? Wo-Ho-Wo, uh, wo, sorry, I'm getting all my names mixed up here. It's Ho-Wo, yeah. Ho-Wo fought at the Battle of Ki Kong Kang. Oh, sorry, you fought the Battle of Ki in Kong Kang province. I just, honestly, they're just making this stupid, stupid stuff up now. So at this point, the selection is flashing between options and go back, options and go back. So it's a change from the standard, which is push to the right and press button. So it's one of those horrible ones that we hate, where it just, you have to yeah. choose at the right time, otherwise it all goes wrong. Anyway, after that, then you've got your strategy, your strategy to choose from. So you've got yes. some, you know, so you've got options then. So uh, you've got, I think, skill, speed, stamina, and strength. Um, and then you've got the strategy which you adopt with no frame of reference. It's all meaningless, I think. You have to put five points into them, don't you? Or yeah, you've got five points units to choose from to spend in your strategy. Then you select your training, which you can select three of these what, these options. Makiwara, Kihon, Tamawashi, Tamashawari, <laughs> Ibuki, Tai Sabaki, and Circuits. <laughs> Good old circuits. It's always nice to see circuits in there. It's called hit. It's called hit training nowadays, or HIIT. But it's always good to see that in there. Um, yeah. So after you've selected that, a three of those. One of those is not like the others. Well, no, but you have to select three of them, and then and with no, it's arbitrary because they don't mean anything. I mean, nope. maybe there's some extra information in the instructions at this point. I didn't have the instructions to hand. Maybe, but you'd want to be diving through all this. You want to get into this fighting game, right? Remember, in the back of your mind, be thinking International Karate and Way the Exploding Fist and Fist 2 and a number of others, Fist 2 Tournament, are all out there in the world. Right. After that, you've got to choose more attack. You've got to choose your attack tactics from more arbitrary nonsense. Your skill, speed, stamina, and strength. Then your defense tactics. Again, all arbitrary because it doesn't mean anything because you don't know what you are. So I could be a, I could be the strongest Tai Sabaki 
user in the world. <laughs> or I could be the, the fastest person and most highly skilled at circuits, Andy Buki. What I don't know what they mean, so I have no frame of reference. So it's just arbitrary selection, so I've just selected. When you finally get past all of that, of which I think that was about the sixth or seventh selection screen, bear in mind at this point the music is now really boring into your brain. You get then you get the game, which is a crappy, badly drawn and animated, seemingly uncontrollable, pointless one-on-one fighting game with no no redeeming qualities in any description in any way. I mean, it's this is bad. This is really, really bad. So as I've already said, you've got International Karate, you've got Where They Explained Fish, you've got Uchimata, you've got Fist Two Tournament, you've got a number of different fighting games. This is so utterly appalling. Now, the whole point of this being the Samurai Trilogy is that you can actually choose between, you know, you can be fighting, and I think you have to work your way up to this, because every time I restarted it and started, I ended up with fisticuffs at the start, and but the screenshots show somebody with, a like, a sword and this sword fighting, so there must you must escalate and get through the various different yeah, yeah. things. I never got that far. Because but I you couldn't can practice them. I didn't you can practice. I, all three. I didn't. I didn't get to the practice. I just wanted to get into the game and see, you know, what it was like. Fair enough. I didn't go any. I didn't play any of the other levels because I was so offended by the nonsense that I was presented with. So you get this badly <laughs> drawn background. This. I was just. It looked to me like I was running around slapping. I was just running and slapping. That was my move. Run slap. Yep. Run and slap. Run and slap. And it had no impact. I didn't know if I was hitting. I didn't know if they were hitting me. There was a no. sort of a power bar at the top that seemed to be completely abstract. I won. I, I won somehow. I won this fight. I don't. The power of slapping compelled me. I gave that guy the slapping of his life. Um, I, I, I did I'd feel like there's meant to be 16 moves on the joystick when you get to this point. I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I just all I could do was like one, maybe a, and a jumping kick and turning around. There's no no sound other than music. I don't think the sound effects. At least I didn't find them, and I wasn't about to dive back into the option screens to go on a hunt for them because it might, might mean I could get lost in my options. There's no impact of anything. And after all that, all those options, which you'd think would give you, you know, this really tailored experience, when I went through a second time, chose completely different options, arranged them all differently, it was exactly the same game. There was no difference yep. whatsoever. So it's arbitrary garbage. So Samurai Trilogy, utterly, utterly dreadful. There's no redeeming features about it. I mean, it, I think it scored a, a whopping 29%. That's, again, massively generous for a full-price game. This is absolutely crap. Just put it next to its its competitors of, of one-on-one. Even Ya Kung Fu, as much as that was a kind of crazy arcade conversion, it's still better than this. This is just utterly, utterly rubbish. I mean, I don't get it. I don't get how they're getting this. How do you release something like this? How do you not look at the games that have been before it, all of them, including things like night games? Stuff like, how do you not look at the space of the games you are about to enter and think, you know what, we'll make those games better. Thousands of pointless options before you can get to the game. <laughs> and an ear, an ear drilling tune that would make you want to, you know, chew your own ears off if you could, or get a dog to rip them off. <laughs> and on top of that, absolutely no control over the character you play and just, you know, run around slapping a lot. Well, absolutely, absolutely dreadful. I mean, I would imagine that you didn't find it as pleasurable either. Well, I did warn you. You did warn I, me. I, I, utterly, I messaged you, but I messaged you. It says, wait until you get to Samurai Trilogy. <laughs> and your fa- you, uh, the message I got back from you is, how do you select anything? <laughs> uh, oh, it's, it's, it's not right immediately obvious. Yeah, it's not, it's it's not, not obvious. It? No. <laughs> it's not. It took me a while. Anyway, uh, bring back Yi Kung Fu 2, Highlander, or Way of the Tiger. All yeah. three of those, which, as awful as they are, are better than this. Yes, yes. Um, so this, I, as, as you have rightly noted, this is a mul- this isn't a fighting game. This is a multi-stage option simulator that is interrupted every now and again by pointless, impactless, joyless fighting uh, before it's back to the options again. It's an options game. The fighting's a, a, a pointless sidebar. Who cares? So I felt like just reviewing the options. So stupid menu system sees you having to press right to select and then pressing fire. Too many options that don't mean anything that have no bearing on the marionette fighting that happens intermittently. 
Because it is like watching two marionettes. I think that's the the closest I can, you yeah, know, the is. animations it and is. stuff. It and just really feels small like some people... characters as well. Can, you know, you'd yeah, and the crap. And they did, have you, did, I had one point sort of thing where they were both walking to the left with the same animation, and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen because <laughs> the animation was so crap, but they were set in absolutely in perfect symmetry with the sprites doing the same thing. It was crap. Pages of text that tell stories of nothing, trying to lend the whole thing a suitably Japanese style that all melts into nothing when the ineffectual fighting gets in the way again. There's no impact to the moves hitting each other, the animations are weird, the backdrops suffer from severe nightmare perspectives, and the whole thing feels like some kind of psychological mind test to see how many times you'll suffer the innumerable options before turning it off. Yeah. Nope. Just yep. dreadful. Good summary. One of the... Um, <laughs> yeah. It did. I felt like I felt like a Rorschach or something that was stood behind me. Oh, press to the yeah. right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in this game, it's a sea of tears until you get to the game. Uh, whatever. I was like, oh, what is this? It's, I was like, this is just awful. Well, you know, when you finish a round in this game and you win, it goes to the next round, obviously, but you can re- re-choose your skills. How does that work? Why would, <laughs> why would you suddenly go, actually, I'm going to be less strong? I mean, why wouldn't, it, why wouldn't I mean, it enable you to add more to the ones you have as opposed to true. reset the ones into a different configuration? It's, yeah. it's just ridiculous. I'm suddenly going to be tra- trained in Ichibuchi rather than circuits. Exactly. Whatever, well, just, they, you know, whatever I, they were. Why would you? You wouldn't suddenly go, you know what? I'm going to be weaker for this round. I need to be weaker and, and, and highly skilled. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, we've, we've talked about this before in other games where they have these arbitrary sort of systems like this. You can't use these things like this. You can't have. You can't be strong and underskilled, can you? What would be the point in giving yourself less skill and more strength? You're just going to, you know, be a really strong oaf. It's just, just honestly, no. Da da. No. <laughs> yeah, samurai trilogy. Don't forget as well. I mean, how can it be the samurai trilogy when one of them is to be a samurai? Yeah, exactly. It's it's just. <laughs> I don't get it. It's just it's a samurai tragedy. Is what it is. <laughs> Oh, we have done so wrong with this. <laughs> I tell you, Samurais would not be happy about this. Um, <laughs> they wouldn't. I think, uh, yeah. I've watched. Yeah, uh, I've a, watched Shogun Assassin, and that guy, you know, he's not going to be happy about this. He's not. He's going to be. There's going to be mucho seppuku. That bloody well is. Yeah, there's going to be some ritual, you know, slitting of the bellies. There is. Um, in the uh, light of this nonsense, Samurai tragedy. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, yeah. It's a load of post name. shit, is what we've written. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, it really is. Oh. <laughs> Taming. Well, there's a character really called Poochie. That's, 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 t- that's just taming, isn't it? Yeah. Taming. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nanpan. I mean, just, is, is, are, are any of those training options, other than circuits, are they actually real things? I didn't look into, into it because is Makawari and, you know, if you're a master of Makawari, Kihon and Tamashiwari, does that mean you're good at, you know, but what does that mean that if you're fighting someone who's a master of Ibuku and circuits, are you going to be hopeless against that? I mean, the whole point of these things is you need to know, but you don't, do you? It's just, ah, why no, are you no one, no, putting far no too much thought into it? Stupid crap. Yeah, let's move along quickly. Let's get yes, out of this samurai nightmare. Get the hell out of here. And move along to our next one. Um, and, uh, oh God, this <laughs> episode, play that tune. <laughs> I can't. Oh, uh, okay, up next is another full price game. Imagine all those cool budget games we've had recently. And now we've got this crap. Uh, mm. Greyfell, The Legend of Norman. <laughs> <laughs> the subtitles go, The Legend of Norman is not the best. <laughs> I had an uncle, I, I mean, to be fair, I had an uncle Norman. So, uh, you know, is I'm not looking the name, but it's, it's, no, we won't. But, um. It's it's not Legend of Grey School, King Arthur, Norman. <laughs> dunk, dunk. 
Mad. I don't we, had know a, what... we, had a, we had a next door neighbour called it was Norman and Dora. Believe it or not, it's a true fact. Back, back, back when I was younger, about the time I had a C64, actually, bit, actually before that. And we used to call him Yeah Yeah because he had this real weird way. If you talk to him over the fence, he'd go Yeah 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 like that all the time. <laughs> you know, How are you doing? Well, I've been outside and Yeah Yeah. Everything you said, he'd just do that all the time. It was really off-putting. So, all right, Norm. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's probably better than this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Legend of Norman. It's especially not the best when tied to an isometric nightmare. Uh, so, yes, we have another attempt at an isometric adventure on the C64. And it's got the added bonus of icon-driven commands to really keep the speed up. Yes. <laughs> Just what isometric adventures needed. Isometric, you know, icon-driven commands menus. Oh, you can tell we're in for a treat here. Anyway, the, gra- the land of Greyfell has been darkened and soured by the evil sorcerer Mauron. Not Sauron. <laughs> Mauron. <laughs> but, he's, but, he's, but, but he's off-brand Mexican equivalent, Mauron. <laughs> <laughs> Get me Sauron. He's not, He's available. not available. Get me his, Me- get me his Mexican off-brand equivalent, <laughs> Mauron. Mauron. We just changed the S for an M. It's like playing chain letters. I changed the S to an M. Mauron. That's it. That's ridiculous. Uh, he's stolen the Orb of Life, not the Ring of Power, and secreted it away in his fortress stronghold. You play as Norman the Cat, who sets off on a quest to regain the Orb of, orb of Life and do this evil Mauron in. So in this quest, you are aided, supposedly, by various woodland creatures, such as... Potbellius the Bear Landlord, Ophelorian the Shift Spy, Willie the Pig Policeman, Jesus, Blotto the Drunken Rabbit, and Hit, and hit or Miss the Wise Old Owl. Right. Okay. With the aid of these, you must complete your quest by utilising the icon-driven menu at the bottom of the screen that allows you to pick up and drop objects, use them, examine them, and also cast a spell which floats a bubble of some shape in the direction Norman is facing. All of this means nothing, though, because the game is slow. So slow. We've talked about games this type being slow in the past, and here we have another contender for slowest isometric adventure of the year award. The cat moves at a pace that can only be described as sub-treacle, and only when there is literally nothing by the cat on the screen does it move at any kind of vaguely decent pace. And when I mean nothing, that's nothing but the landscape, the, the square that you're on. That is, you know, yeah. If there's a tree graphic or anything, nothing. I mean, it has to be blank. The visuals are kind of okay. The single-colour isometric stuff is, you, you know, if that's your bag, they're all right. The music is... The music... Aye. It's a- atonal and horrific, and they obviously yep. knew this because there's a there's an there's an entire icon given to you to turn it off. Absolutely. So Neither. you know it's like uh, it, it, it's about eighty it's just notes that are just play in no order. Um, no. That's that's not a tune. The title screen is just the barest of options. It doesn't even bother to have the title of the game on it. It's always a bad sign. It's never good. Um, and it's just plodding boredom. Um, I didn't get very far in it. I didn't want to. I wandered from screen to screen. It's that bit where you can you don't know if you can go up, left or right off the screen because there's no kind of... Sometimes it's blocked. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's stuff on the next screen. Monsters are there. I don't know if they're monsters. Are they my friend? Is that pop bellies? Who knows? I couldn't find any of these other characters. I wandered about a bit. I went into a hut and then got killed by a spike. The jumping's crap. It's rubbish. And it's 9.99. So all I can say is please, please just stop. Stop it. With these substandard attempts at something that machined, it just doesn't do them well. And, you know, just more and more crap. It's got 30%. It's generous. Again, generous. This was awful. I hated this. Legend of No. Noman, whatever. I don't know. But Greyfell. I mean, that sounds like um, Greystoke as well, doesn't it? There is a bit Tarzan. Yeah. 
But, um, it but it's all crap. It doesn't share isometric cat adventure, does it? <laughs> it does not. I'm not sure what would, but it ain't this. What did you think? Did you get any uh, plodding enjoyment from this nonsense? No. Is, this, is, it a, is it a spectrum conversion of some description? Or is there some? Is there a spectrum version in its history somewhere? I didn't look into it, but Probably. Way, it, it looked Probably. like one. It looked like one. It's an isometric, <laughs> single-colour adventure. And that's in. if those words by now, if you don't know how we feel about those words in that sequence when we're talking about a C64 game, you know, just go back and listen to a few episodes of the podcast. You'll soon realise we haven't come across a single one of these yet that we've actually thought was any good, I don't think, not one. It's so painfully slow, this one, though. This was like a new version of slow. This was bad. There isn't a single thing I liked about this bloody nightmare, and it's full price. Uh, that single channel tune that you described will haunt my nightmares. It is absolutely, <laughs> utterly awful. And on the back of the previous dirge that was in Samurai Trilogy, I was like, uh, it's time to get a proper Inspector Dreyfus eye twitch going on at this point. It's like <laughs> Crusoe. <laughs> um, so this is just an utterly soul-destroying pile of arseholes. And at 9 a rip-off as well. Why would you even release this at this price? There's isometric games that are like this. There was one we played, Molecule Man was as bad as this, and that was that was two quid. So go and play yep. Molecule Man if you really like these kind of crappy isometric games. But certainly don't ever think about playing this one. Not only is it a misnomer, because it's not a tennis game, it's a cat-based isometric nightmare. I'd rather watch a cat take a shit in a, in a garden. I'd, just, <laughs> I'd rather watch a cat dry heave to techno. Yes. In fact, I'd just watch cats. I'd just rather do that than anything to do with this game. It would actually be more animated and more fun to play with a kitten, bat it around a bit, not in a violent way, just play with a kitten. It sounds horrible. You get a cricket bat, just bat like, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't just, do that. Just play, just play, you know, I'd rather do that than entertain this nonsense. Utterly, utterly. But again, 30%, they having a laugh here. 5%. Let's be, let's, let's start scoring these things and by what they actually are. This is crap, so it should be given, by, I think, very little, if, if anything. So, Yep. Nope. Yeah. I, 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 I don't like these kind of games anyway, so it's always going to be a bit of a bat foot. But I do come at them and try and give them the benefit of the doubt. Until that game starts and the speed, you know, treacle speed gaming comes on, or even worse in this instance, I give it, the, give it its dues, think, okay, there might be a game in here. But it took me about 20 minutes to go across about five screens in this game. And by the way... When one of the ghost things, I left it unattended while I was just making some notes. When I looked up, I was being dry humped by a ghost and it just killed me. <laughs> I got humped to death by a ghost in this game. So I went, hoo, 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 pop. I was like, ugh. No. <laughs> if that doesn't put you off this game, what won't? What, won't, what else that's, will? In that scene from Ghostbusters. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bad, wasn't it? You know, yeah, that's anyway, grim. Just avoid. Uh, avoid, 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 avoid. Horrible. Cat egg, I think is the word. Yes, massive cat egg. Massive cat egging. Um, if you want something new on the uh, egg scale, cat egg. <laughs> what else can we have on the egg scale? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Various animal eggs that don't lay them. <laughs> flying cobra egg. The flying cobra. That sounds like a, a train or something, doesn't it? Climb on board the flying cobra. We'll get you from Edinburgh to London in two hours. Either, either that or it sounds like a sort of kung fu kick. It probably is. The, yeah. the Not in that cobra. game, though. Not in that game. Not in that game. No. no not in, not this, in game. this game either. No. Oh, let's no. hope. Let's hope things get better. Let's really hope things get better. So mm. that was Greyfell Legend of Norman. It was crap, as the title suggests, apart from the off brand Sauron. He was quite funny. So, yeah, let's move on. So, our last game is section. Graham, tell us all about the Sydney Affair. Ah, the Sydney Affair. This is a conversion. I don't know what it was converted from or what machine it was from, but anyway. 
Andre de Bartolo and Thierry Souquet um, with the creators uh, Giles or Gilet uh, Blancon. I guess it's French. It's all French. It's a French game. You play a French detective. So as the detective sergeant in the crime squad in um, Etienne, you have apparently shown your ability in the Vera Cruz affair. Is that another game by these guys? Is that a, Yeah, that was yeah. the previous one okay. in this series. Yes. So, so this is essentially a detective game. A uh, man has been killed, shot through the head. You see that right at the start of the game. Yes, it does look like Jim Fletcher from Prison Cell Book 8. <laughs> Taking a bullet to the old bean. What? Right in the bean. Right in the head. Um, and then, so the game, so that's how it starts on that screen. And then, obviously, this is kind of a whodunit combined with a why done it. So it's a detective game. And in the spirit of these detective games, um, the murderer who did this is in the building opposite. He must have known the exact route of the victim. And you've got to sort of piece together all these various clues and all these various facts into, and to try and figure out, you know, who done it. So you start this game um, by, it presents you with kind of a, a crime scene and you have to sort of explore the crime scene. It's all keyboard driven this. And it's got a real twitchy, weird keyboard cursor that sort of flitters and flutters around on the screen. The graphics aren't amazing. They're kind of high res-ish. But they're something. Yeah, they're not. They're, 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 they're a not, res. They're, 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 they're a resolution. Yeah, I'm not, it's, not, it's not a good one for me. Um, this is from Infogrames, isn't it? In, is it Infograms? Is that how you say that? Infograms. Anyway. It, infograms, yeah. So, inter, inter, interactive crime game is the official designation. Anyway, so you're presented with these crime scene. You have to sort of hover your cursor around with your curse keys and press F7 to take snapshot photographs of the various things in the scene, which aren't immediately obvious. So, you just have to search all over the place because. I mean, in the yeah. first one, they kind of there's a guy dead on the floor, um, and so you sort of you know you can check his wallet, and there's a briefcase, I think, and but and then you press F1, which doesn't tell you to press that. I had to ask you how to get from that screen to the next one, or you press Return, I think, and it jumps to the next. No, one. You press Enter to go to yeah, the so press Enter screen. to go to the but, screen, which but, was a, which was the window where he got shot from. So then you yeah, look don't don't there. press it too early though, because you can't go back. No, you can't, which is stupid. So you can't go back to the scene of the crime at any point. So the idea is you're gathering nope. the evidence that you can from these. So in the Second room, which is the room where he was shot from, you find a bullet case and there was something else in there. I can't remember. Anyway, so there's a print. bullet case, a, f- a fingerprint, a fingerprint and, on the glass. That's it. And I can't remember what the other. And there was, was. and the cigarette butt. That's right. So you press F7 to do all that, and you press F1 to go to the crime desk. Now, my detective uh, skills were put to the ultimate test at this point for two reasons. <laughs> Firstly, because you have to try and figure out the murderer in the game. Secondly figure out what the hell you have to do next because <laughs> yeah. I have a clue. It came up with these options at this like as main screen and it comes up with a series of options at the bottom of the screen. I think there was um, something like, in, not interrogate, but I can't remember them. I didn't write them down. I should have done, but um, basically you There's press... message, message statement, examination, comparison and arrest. Yes. Yeah, so you press the, resi- the starting key of those to do these actions and you have to actually type in key commands to keywords. Um, now I thought, okay, I've got a kind of, it says in the instructions for this, you've got to log your evidence. But I couldn't find a way of logging anything. So I thought, maybe I have no. to examine it. So I pressed A E to examine. It came up, and you have to type in what you examine. Um, so I typed in uh, bullet case, and it just came back with a um, uh, weird, weird response. I can't remember what it was. It was something like... Um, was it nothing of relevance? Nothing of, without or... interest, it said. It comes up without, without interest. Without interest, yeah. So then, okay, so I tried, you know, bullet, without interest. Briefcase, without interest. Wallet without interest. I'm like the wallet has his identification, so identification without interest. I'm like, what? What are you interested in then? Then <laughs> that, 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 it wasn't clear to me what these other options were for. How I was supposed to interact. The instructions for this are really vague as well, and that we had the like a copy of the proper instructions from the time because you'd found the link to them. So I was yeah. trying to work my way through the instructions. I've got a, I've picked up a series of interesting clues. I've got the wallet, the briefcase, the bullet, the fingerprint, and the, and obviously the cigarette. 
I've got those things. I can't do anything with it. I couldn't get any further than this. This is this is the point where the game stopped for me because I could not get off this screen to do anything. I tried absolutely everything I could. It was so vague. It made me think, do I need to type this in French? Am I, is that, you know, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? I couldn't get off that screen. Um, so for me, at that point, it was, the game became, the game was already quite vague, but it became weirdly unresponsive to my commands. Everything was without interest to everything I tried to input. And you have to type, you know, words into the keyboard, but I don't know what working words were. I probably should have YouTubed a, maybe a walkthrough to get a bit more of a clue, but these there, games I don't interest me. There isn't one. All right, okay, that makes sense. And now this game never came across my radar ever back in the day um, at all. And even you know, even through the various nefarious um, you know demo groups and cracking scene and all of that, this just simply never appeared. So I'm guessing nobody really liked it that much. Um, I found it was a dull, difficult to play, slow game, and there's no atmosphere to this, which a game like this really needs. I mean, I know you've got that headshot at the beginning, but it's really stupid. It made me laugh more than anything else. <laughs> but that's the only exciting thing that happens. Other than that, you're presented with a dead body on the floor. You scoot a cursor around for ages and press F7. You're then presented with an open window. You do the same, and then you've got a desk with a load of options that don't do anything. Boring. This game will simply remain a mystery to me. Who done it? I don't know, and I don't care. I didn't care about you. (laughs) Absolutely 100% the same. I I found it completely unfathomable. So it's almost hard to know what to say about this one. I mean, there's obtuse, and then there's the Sydney affair, which purports to be this interesting who done it, but becomes more about how do you um, do anything rather than trying to figure out who the yeah, killer how is. How done it? <laughs> how, yeah, how, how do I do it? How do I do anything? The opening two scenes are rather redundant because all you do is, you, what's the point? You move a giant cursor around tapping F7 in case there's anything of interest on that square. It's like, uh, yeah. It's annoying that pressing enter takes to the interior with no way of going back to the outside scene. Like, it could have been quite interesting finding something, oh, well, this is where it might have shot. So, so that gives you info for the outside scene. Flicking back and forth, it's not hard to see, but it doesn't do it. Uh, then you press F1. And once you press F1, you better have everything because you're stuck on that second second, uh, second stage. <sighs> you're greeted with something to interact with, but there's no prompts, you know, apart from that, there's letters, but I couldn't, nothing did anything. I found myself in exactly the same situation as you. Uh, you know, the instructions said to log stuff. I was like, well, how? but I couldn't find out any way to actually log anything. The instructions are incredibly opaque and give you no real indication. There's, you know, it, I get they're trying to do something different here, but if you're trying to do something different, you have to tell the player what, what exactly you want them to do and give them something to go on. Now, maybe if we played the Vera Cruz affair, I think that was in a, an adventure section so we never looked at it. Uh, we may have had some more, it, you know, may have had a bit more in on this, um, but I don't think you should have had to play the previous game to know to understand how to play this one. So for me, this was a big no-no. It just because I couldn't figure out what the hell I was supposed to do at any one point. The just the game, yeah. It's just the, the death of Grey Sideburns, man. Mm. Um, it's, yep. it's, it just looks. It's just. It's just a weird thing. And and that, yeah, that opening shot, uh, just that animation. It's oh. As he gets shot in the head. Yeah, right in the bean. Because that's the there's obviously no sound, but that's the sound effect. His 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 facial expression makes me think he's making oh yeah. So um, uh, this is just it's just weird, and I can't I, I can't figure. Out. Even Zap in their review, a couple of the reviewers said you know it's, you can get to this, but one of them was like, it, it just what are you supposed to do? Yeah, <laughs> what are you Which supposed to do? Because the instructions don't tell you anything. Nope. Uh, but supposedly you can compare witness statements, you can talk to them, you can phone people up, you can get other stuff. It's like, don't know how you do any of that, though. Just talk <laughs> me through the intro bits. If they just put in the instructions, right, do this, do this, then you'll see, ah, oh, it worked. Yeah. Okay, but no. no. Or let me have a list of stuff that just, no, it's a mess. And so, you know, a bleak French strangeness 
I don't know what else yeah. to say about it, really. Exactly. Weird, a weird, strange game. The crime was committed, all right. They released that crappy game. <laughs> they did. Who done but it? Infogrames would be going. Infogrames would be going to become Ubisoft, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Ubisoft. Went on to much, but you know, bigger and better things. I guess this was just an experiment that didn't quite work. No, it's not. Certainly didn't. Right there, you go. That's your first five games. It's not been a pleasurable experience. No. Apart from playing some golf, because that was all right. Mm, but the rest good. has been egg. Yeah. Uh, bad egg right let's uh let's hold off there let's move along we'll get some advert in and then we'll come back where we will be talking about film and tv from july 1987 so please stay with us Hearty meat pies to our amazing sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com, where you will find bargain books, ebooks, audiobooks, and more. I think we should listen to a sample from his brand new book, Escape from the Commodore 64. Let's go. Sarah turned on her heel and stomped back down the hall, turning to make sure she wasn't being followed. As she passed Reese's room, she saw the blue glow of his computer sitting idly on his desk. A hulking beige-brown mass, it always made Sarah think of the family bread bin whenever she saw it. Ooh, I got sucked into the computer, Sarah whispered. She looked left and right before making the split-second decision to creep into her brother's room. If he knew she was in there, he'd go spare. And everyone believes me because I'm so good. Well done, five points for Reese. Oh, I'm a total hacker, comma eight, comma one. In a flash of anger, jealousy, Sarah couldn't even work out exactly what it was she was feeling. She yanked the joystick from its place on the desk and began wriggling it around. Left, right, left, up, down and around the garden like a teddy. Before she could finish her sentence, the room flashed and her backpack fell to the floor. Very cool indeed. Escape from the Commodore 64 audiobook is out right now. To find out more, visit davidhernwriter.com. And we are back. We are back to talk about film and television from the month of July 1987. So what was going on? Let's, let's get into this with TV as per normal. So this is Film TV in the UK, 5th of July, watching. Watching. <laughs> were, were you watching? Were you watching? Were you watching? Watching. watching? Uh, it's Jim Hitchmouth. Hitch, Hitch, how do you pronounce it? Hitchmuffs? Hitchmouth? Hitchmuff, I think, I guess. Hitchmuff? Hitchmuff. Hitchmuff's yeah. comedy about a mis, mis, <laughs> mishmash. This is hard to say. <laughs> Jim Hitchmouth's. Oh God, comedy about a mismatched couple starred Paul Brown and Emma Ray. It debuted on ITV. Do you have any memory of this? I so I checked it out on YouTube because I was and I remembered a little. I remember the theme tune for some reason. I but absolutely nothing else. And I think I only remembered it as it sort of happened. So I may have heard it at some point. I never watched it. I noticed it had Lisa Tarbuck in it. Or Lisa Tarbuck was in that. Oh, Other than that, that, rings a bell. And the very I saw the very the beginning of the first episode where she was sat on a park bench and there was some jokes it's one of those lots of canned laughter and i thought for me it just felt like and i don't and i was going to ask you about this briefly just a continuation of that kind of weird tv agenda there was around that time where it was just sort of there was this weird main, main so this idea that all of the Pudlians were kind of comedy fodder gold so liver birds this bread um no I don't, yeah. there just seemed to be a bit of you know the liverpudlian fascination now don't get me wrong liverpudlians are lovely and i've spent many a, a great drunken afternoon in liverpool loads of times however it just seems that TV seemed to pick on Liverpool as a place. Liverpool, Newcastle, and anywhere with a bit of a quirky accent seems to be fair game for ITV at this point. So I don't know if that's something well, to do with it. But I mean, I, I guess it might be, but I suppose that got... Um, was it the uh, Harry Enfield 
Scousers. Yes, yeah, yeah, they did. I, think, I suppose that that's the, but I, I'm hoping. I guess that was the pastiche of all this stuff that, yeah. as you were saying, that this this you know, hey, hey, calm down, calm down, and all that. The Brookside, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was all all that kind of where it kind of led to, wasn't it? And then yeah. you're like, look, stop it, because <laughs> yeah. this is essentially what you're doing. Yes. Um, and and they took it to that logical sort of you know, ridiculous, yeah. absurd, and a point of point of no return where it's like, stop it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Liverpoolians have. Well, you know, I suppose Brook, I suppose Brookside was where it sort of stopped because a little bit um, because Brookside obviously wasn't a comedy. No, but I think it's more. It's just there was this like we, I think we mentioned it in a previous episode of the podcast. There was this if you were in the in the north, it was either funny or it was you know gruff and difficult. Yeah, um, there, was no, there was no there was no middle ground. Yeah, and any and of those sort of you know anything that happened in the north was all of those things and you know including things like coronation street and stuff like that even crossroads you know and and as it was emmerdale farm now it's emmerdale of course and, and but anything you know po- and it, over a certain ridge of the border and it was all grim it's grim up north kind of thing and there's some of these things even though they're comedies they're still based in around that you know there's the, the it's a comedy of difficulty in in some senses i'm guessing i did say i didn't really read mm. much into it but as soon as they hit the canned laughter, and it's that really abrupt <laughs> kind of canned laughter that you get in a terrible, <laughs> awful one that just naff. Yeah, you know, not my, not my. Well, would have never been my thing at that time. So. To, I mean, I, I, when I was younger, we, I never ventured out of Grimsby. We just didn't go anywhere apart from to Blackpool um, mm. on a on a tr- the odd trip. So to, for me, the, the the place was the Watford Gap. Everyone, you, know, yeah. you always hear this phrase, north of the Watford Gap. Yeah. As a youngster, I genuinely thought there was some big chasm across the. Uh, Centre maybe there <laughs> across is. the middle of across the middle of England called the Watford Gap. I actually thought you got you couldn't get to Watford because there was some when you had a big bridge that went over it. Well, there was a big gap. There was that that gap um, was the salary divisions between the two areas at the time. It was, and then I found out it's just a service station, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I think at Watford Services. <laughs> you know, my, how my how my uh, young dreams were. <laughs> you thinking it's a bit of a Grand Canyon? You get there, and it's yeah. Just like, a... You know, like the bit in a uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, where you have to answer the questions three or whatever. <laughs> I thought it was something like that, and then it's a service station. I was much much yeah, um, not much else. I did not like that. Uh, but yeah, it's like I thought the Dock Tower was a rocket. Well, it does look like one. It does. Yeah, yeah. you're a kid. You have these flights of fancy. That's it. Just yeah. a, it's just an elaborate water pump. It's just an elaborate water pump and a service station. Yeah. I hate the world sometimes. It's so boring. Sixth <laughs> um, of July, a day later, we had Star Cops. Hmm. Um, I thought this would be up your alley. That's why I stuck it in. So um, it's a weird sort of. Is it comedy? Is it some kind of? Is it, no, no, it's it, not comedy. It, it was. It did look a bit strange. Yeah. No, I'd never, I'd never seen it uh, at all. I completely bypassed me. Um, it's interesting because it's it only ran for nine episodes in total. Um, mm. And it's, most of the reviews that came out around it said it was boring and dull. But there was a big backlash about sci-fi at this time. Um, bear in mind that I think this is just on that sort of the death of UK sci-fi because Doctor Who at this point I think they'd stopped and I don't think it came back for quite some time. So I think around this time it just all TV sci-fi of uh, British TV sci-fi. I have to say not you know necessarily all the whole world, but our own homemade products, you know, a la Doctor Who and that kind of thing. I think it all came to an abrupt halt around this time. And Star Cops, I yeah, think, was a bit of a victim of that. I watched a little bit of it and it did look as you would imagine. You need a little bit of you need a little bit of suspension of disbelief with the old British sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. You do. This is no exception. It looked deeply political though, and I, I didn't I didn't check in, into it that much. I'm already halfway through a, an old British sci-fi show. I can't afford the time to go into another one at the moment, but I will look. <laughs> I will go back and look at it. Well, it's interesting. I'm just looking on the Wikipedia for it. Uh, how there's a, there's a paragraph here within it where it describes what the, what the crimes were like. 
So he says many of the crimes that the Star Cops investigates, investigate have a science fiction twist to them, arising from the unconventional environment the series is set. Example, a murder in which the two victims are not yet dead, um, mm. which sounds suspiciously like a um, minority report. Yeah, and so far um, and still. A, ran- uh, a ransom demand for kidnapped embryos. Mm. A hoax discovery of an alien civilization, etc. It says it is out of these scenarios that one of the major themes of the series emerges, which is the conflict between human emotion and morality on the one hand, and machine logic and rogue science on the other. Right. I suppose it's a bit bit Spockian, isn't it? It's a bit yeah, Star Trekian. Yeah, very. But it's yeah. interesting that there was, you know, those. It, I, I'd, never, I'd never heard of it, just like you hadn't. I no. don't know if this appeared in our, you know, was it ITV? Was it BBC? No, it's BBC Two. BBC Two, right. Yeah, which is Strange probably why I didn't a, watch it. I didn't watch a lot of BBC Two back then. I mean, I think at this point, we had the first series of Red Dwarf by this point. I think we mm. had, hadn't we? And we would have mentioned it if we had. Are we, when was Red, Red Dwarf? I thought that was 85, 86. Mm, I don't know. Um, no, might have been, but I don't know. So I just wonder whether that was um, on the, uh, you know, the, the the actual, when was it? Uh, oh, between 88 and 99. So 1988. Yeah. So this is a year later. Yeah. So... Strange that Red Dwarf. I suppose it was only six episodes, wasn't it? It was a yeah. bit different. Yeah. I think um, serious sci-fi. Earlier. I think had been taking a pounding at this point. I think there's there's lots of I think yeah lots of background production issues around, and I think there's also in the midst of all this, I think there's some strikes that happened at a certain point. I don't know much of the detail around it, but I have a feeling yeah. that might have impacted some of this. I suppose people were just a bit fed up of British sci. I suppose when you had all the American stuff landing, well, like V and things yeah. like that. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it started to look very dated if you look, stuck it side by side with Battlestar Galactica and put Doctor Who next to it. No, they, they, were, they upped the production values massively of shows like that from the US. Yeah. Because of things like, and also don't forget that at this point we've already had um, Star Wars and Star Trek and there's been quite a lot of stuff already been out there. So these TV, you know, sci-fi shows under this kind of budget constraint on BBC, we're looking really, really dated now. And also as well, just the premise of it also reminds me slightly of um, what so how Babylon 5 kind of starts. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Yep. You know, that sort of science, and, and also uh, Deep Space Nine, I guess. Yep, yep. Or as my dad used you know, to call the- it, Deep Shit Nine, because <laughs> they were always in deep shit in that show. <laughs> Especially Colm Meany. Oh, yes. He was poor old, poor well, old he, chief. He always made a point of saying how the Kardashians treat their prisoners and i didn't think that kim kardashian took prisoners i thought she was just an ordinary person but what do i know what do i know what do we know uh i don't know anything really anyway star cops um 17th of july and the 20th of july it's a couple here uh itn itn's news at one is for the last time and it also marked leonard parkin's retirement from news reading the news at one with leonard parkin I vaguely remember him. But then yeah. on the 20th of July, which I'm presuming is the Monday, ITV's lunchtime news programme moves to a 12.30pm slot. Consequently, News at One ended after 11 years on the air, so there you go. Weird. Just It just lacks, yeah. lacks the impact, doesn't it? The news at 12.30. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, lunchtime news sounds a little yeah. light and boring. News yeah. at One news sounds... News at One is very, you know, ding, ding, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it tied in with News at 10, didn't it? Yeah. Because you had the bongs yeah, yeah. and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. What well, is what you put here? Needed to make room for more Australian imported soap operas. Yeah, yeah they, they were flying uh, in at this point, weren't they? So there were Sons and Daughters. But I think they, was, they were on BBC, I think. I don't know. I, I, I lose track of who Sons was on what Sons and Daughters channel. was ITV, but that was on at half three, wasn't yeah, it? it was but it's, it's Sons and Daughters, but there's the Flying Doctors. There was loads of them appearing at this point. Not just them, but also loads of US imported shows were rapidly filling the afternoons. Yeah. Falcon's so, Crest. Falcon's Crest. Oh, I, uh, I think Murder, She Wrote was around, probably popping in there at that time. Quincy, of course, and, you know, loads of them. All those things. So, yeah, we, we had our news move to half 12, which is, you know, I suppose it was no longer impact uh, crossing over with the uh, 
uh, kids shows, which yeah. we talked about the other week. Yeah, didn't we? yeah that's it. Um, maybe it was that. Twenty uh, second of July, uh, the Cook Report uh, aired for the first time, nineteen eighty seven to nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, so the Cook Report, for those who don't know, um, it was it's uh, sort of one of the first ever you you know uh, investigative journalism reporting where they would go out to find rogue traders and stuff like yeah, that. Door wasn't stopping, it? And, and, yeah. yeah, and sort of knock on the door and find them and ask them why they hadn't done this and you ripped off this person. And Roger Roger Cook was this sort of guy who just shoved microphones in people's faces and demand demand action and mm. um it was all a bit kind of like oh it's a bit it's uh, quite new bit, wasn't it it was it felt very very um in your face and changing like because it was you know not very tame i suppose it was it was, docu- it was you know one of the starting starting points for that um what would go on to be things like what uh watchdog uh but more much more like confrontational yes i think that was the thing with yes. this well he got himself into some um, real sticky situations that guy yeah, he did, yeah. So, um, do you want to tell us? Do you know, can you remember anything? I can remember. I think there was one at the time, obviously, there was all sorts of troubles in Northern Ireland, I think. And I think there was one where he was confronting something about that. There was definitely one where he was, I think it was Brazilian drug traders or Brazilian, some kind of illegal Brazilian something or others. And I think he ended up sort of in a room pretty much with these, you know, violent gun-toting gangsters who were going to you know, shoot him in, you know, Sydney Affair style right for the bean. <laughs> And just so you know, oh. so he quickly had to sort of escape with his, you know, try and escape out of this room with his life. And, and you know, there was many occasions where, he, other than him sort of following people, going, you know, tell us more about this and getting told to f off and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, there were were occasions in this where it was quite exciting to watch because he would go toe to toe with these criminals, and sometimes you were thinking these criminals are going to just, you know, hit him or, or shoot him or something horrible is going to happen. And it kind of tread yeah. that fine line a little bit, you know. And he was a really oddly unassuming looking guy, really, at the end of it. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was sort of a chubby little chubby guy when he sort of thing had a bit of port in he was well i always really seem to remember him wearing that sort of white jacket like yeah, like like, like a light brown light sort yeah, of, yeah yeah going in and going oh come on what are you doing yeah. you ripped these people off he just he, i think he, he sort of looks oddly unthreatening but he was quite insistent wasn't he and it was just a different style of um journalism i think it was it was quite yeah. interesting to see it obviously like you say it later went change you know rogue traders dom sorts out or whatever it's called now and all those <laughs> good old dom <laughs> um but yeah. I think he looks he looks oddly unthreatening, which is I think is what probably prevented him from getting acid thrown in his face on a on a few occasions because he's like don't you know he's just look at him he's like he's a bit pudgy and soft he's not he's <laughs> no you know that guy from Eastenders that goes around you know doing the same thing essentially but confronting you know tribes in the jungle stop you know firing arrows at people and that I'm like all right yeah we won't go on, all right cause, all right whatever you say Grant Mitchell whatever his real name is <laughs> oh him Ross yeah. Kemp Ross Kemp yeah yeah <laughs> for a moment there I thought you meant Barry <laughs> that Barry sorts it out. <laughs> you two be nice to each other all right all right barry we will if you say so barry there you yeah. go Richard. anyway yeah so yeah i used to yeah. quite, quite like watching the old cook report it's quite interesting until of course um christopher morris came along and literally destroyed that very idea by doing a brilliant parody of it in various things that he kind of did it so. uh, yeah yeah i mean yeah it did become and i think the thing was as well with the cook report i mean it runs for a certain period of time it's like it's like anything well, after a while, if, if Cook, you see Roger Cook coming, you know what's happening. Like, oh, yeah. I've done wrong. Well, yeah. So it becomes, yeah, yeah. So you, it's all, and I imagine those kind of shows have always got up the ante. So I wondered, yeah. you know, as you said, it ended up with him being in a room with Brazilian drug yeah. merchants probably at some point. It's like, yeah, how much did. further can we go with this? Well, I think he, he did get, at one point get accused by a newspaper. I think new, one of the big newspapers, I forget which one it was, but they accused him of setting things up and he actually took them to court for damages because they accused him provided him with the evidence that he didn't do that and they actually had to finally after many after quite a long time of him battling that 
Um, they turned around and said, actually, all right, we admit, yeah, you did actually go and do these investigations and you didn't set them up because they, you know, it's this idea that who would choose to put themselves in those situations knowingly, but he did genuinely do that. Is a, you know, that's what he did. Yeah. It's like, um, I just, I just see these kind of shows. They sort of, at some point you just, they just kind of run the course. I mean, it went yeah. 12 years. I know. Crazy. A long time. But you, like you say, as soon as you saw him coming like, Roger Cook, get out of here, you know, and I think that's what, yeah. probably, that's, what, what have I done? That's oh, what, that's what did, did it's time. And <laughs> it's just, it's like Mo, wouldn't it? You'd have the uh, killer whale in the back. Imagine, well, <laughs> get it, out. It, it would ruin his life as well. Cause every time he went anywhere, people are going to be like, you know, very weary of him, aren't they? If he turns up just to buy a, hamburger from a takeaway <laughs> they're gonna be like oh for god's sake it's roger which cook what's he coming in here for which he clearly had quite a lot of yeah well yes 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 he did like his we burgers did. we all liked our burgers i love my burgers yes I had a really yeah. nice burger yesterday good, good, um good, good. <laughs> 25th of july the first edition of a new weekly program for the asian community network east is shown it was broadcast in english the program replaces asian magazine and garbar which had ended three months earlier okay there you go. Excellent. You um, go. It's great. It's a very important step in UK di- in UK TV diversity. That it's, yes. and it's things. These things are so easy overlooked um, because there was no- nothing else really like it. But these are dead important steps um, mm. about sort of representation stuff. But I, I genuinely don't remember much about it. Obviously, it's, I'm not the target market for for that. No, program, you would but, not. But I was the importance of it wasn't even lost on me. Wasn't lost on me at the time as well. I remember thinking this is this is good. We're getting to see more cultures on TV. This is no bad thing. So, because you know, yeah. when you look at My, what, uh, how culture was represented in the seventies on UK TV, it's embarrassing. So, it's thankfully they started to give those people, yeah. a, you know, a proper voice on TV is good. It's all good. Yeah, it was because apart from that, I think our only um, sort of exposure to that kind of thing was those uh, Bangra movies they used to run. Yeah, through the evening. Yeah, you used to get um, some stuff which, like that on now and again, didn't you? And, yeah, which were they were interesting. They were eye opening. Yeah, absolutely. Because. There was a time in UK TV where, like I said, things like Mind Your Language and stuff, they're just absolutely abhorrent TV shows to look back on now. They're so yeah, embarrassing, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. terrible. So thankfully, this, these steps came along and you know, we, don't, we don't have to look back in that, those anymore, other than with total no, shame. Uh, 26th of July, it was Shadow of the Stone, uh, which I have ne- totally passed me by. Do you remember this one? No, no, it's funny. It escaped me again, this one. Um, now, I liked, I like and liked a lot of these show, these types of shows. It's obviously, a, it's like a, a kid's show, I think, a kid's adventure show. Um, mm. And this one was, I think, based out of Scotland. I don't know if that has a part to play in why it didn't necessarily, maybe it didn't appear in our region. But I'd already watched things like The Phoenix and the Carpet, Children of the Stones, Into the Labyrinth, and stuff like that. And those, those, those are all really good TV shows, kids' shows of this type. So this is apparently a really good one of those. Genuinely quite interesting. Um, I'm going to go back and see if I can find them and find them and watch them off, watch them out um, on the old uh, YouTube when I get a chance. Because I do like well, that kind of stuff, but I don't know much about it. You might have trouble because according to the uh, wiki on this, um, it was re- it was networked on ITV from 26th of July to 30th of August. So it was actually on. We should have got it. Um, and it was later repeated on the Children's Channel, um, retaining its original Sunday. It was a Sunday afternoon show. Uh, that might be why I totally uh, missed it then. Maybe. Uh, it was made available on YouTube by STV in 2010, but has since disappeared. Uh, there'll be ways to find it. There will be. There'll be somewhere. Someone's got it. Um, so, yeah, someone on Daily Express really liked it. I'd never heard of it, but it's to do with um, a modern teenager and a 17th century girl named Mary Lamont who was put on trial for alleged witchcraft. Mm, that's right. There's a spiritual connection between the pair of them. So. Yeah, sounds good. That's quite interesting. It does sound good. Yeah, but no, pass me by. I, I, yeah. I put it, yeah, that, that Sunday afternoon slot was probably... Yeah, I, was I would probably have been out. in. Yeah, I would have been playing games, I was either, eating my well, dinner, or recovering from eating my dinner. 
<laughs> yeah, because recovering from eating the dinner was like, you know, you had to set an hour aside, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'd eaten that much brown at that point. I just, just had to sit in a brown coma going, uh, for about an hour after. There was my... various shades of brown exactly, just, just a, all around. Two or three Yorkshire puddings, roast potatoes, roast, you know, roast dinner, and then just and then probably a pudding after that. I'm just sat there going, why? Why look? Why did I do <laughs> it's what, that? It's what wet, wet, wet sang about. Brown is. is all around me. <laughs> it would have been after it, but, you know, I, I needed a hoist to get me out of that. <laughs> after sitting down on the sofa after oh. that, it was just, in the, the room just smelled of brown farts for... <laughs> just whatever there's always room that really th- there's always that really thick gravy smell yeah well no wonder <laughs> after Sunday lunch yeah, no just a thick a thick graviness well, into the air permeated the entire um, Lincolnshire <laughs> skyline and, and you know, that's why they had the mists every Sunday afternoon the exactly. air was thick with the with the, uh, <laughs> with the, the smell of gravy of, <laughs> the whiff of Bisto and Oxo Bisto filled the air <laughs> like a bad stench <laughs> Oh, yeah, there we go. That's your TV. Uh, let's move into some films. 3rd of July, Paltoquet. Paltoquet? Paltoquet? Paltoquet. Paltoquet? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And I've never seen it and I never will. No, uh, I think this is, is this a French, French film. Yeah, French film. It's yeah. a French film it directed by Michel Deville. Yeah. Um, the plot synopsis says Miss Lot has her residence in a big hangar near a port. She seems to be having nice time with five clients, but the arrival of a policeman disturbs their lives. Yeah. Yep, and that's just an explanation for why I've not seen it. <laughs> that just sounds like my average uh, Sunday. Yeah, standard I, French movie of that brown. time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. No, no thanks. No. Uh, 10th of July, a week later, if you'd survived the French onslaught, you could have gone to see Raising Arizona. Um, I never saw this at cinema. I saw this on video. Uh, it is one of the few Coen Brothers films I actually quite like. I'm not a massive Coen Brothers fan. You no. not like this one? No, just never, never thought it was funny. Never, never, and then, and that's oddly strange because I've never really found many of the Coen Brothers films that funny. Hudsucker Proxy, I think, is. I don't know if that's that's theirs, is it? I don't know. But there's generally, generally not. I mean, this is meant to be kind of an. Are they what are they black comedies? I suppose these. I don't know what you yeah, describe them the, as. Yeah, the kind of never got to me. I just didn't dig it. Yeah, they're unusual. I mean, this is much more. I think because what did this come after? Did they do like was it Blood Simple? Was that theirs? Yeah, something like that. I think yeah. Blood Simple and Miller's Crossing. Or was that later? Yeah, I that, can't was, that was later. I, w- I went back and watched a load of their movies and just um, found they're quite hard to get through. Raves over, yeah, I know everyone raves over Big Lebowski and stuff. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, which is, um, you know, it but, is good. But but this is just, you know, early Nicolas Cage being early Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And the bank robbery sequence and the, uh, the, the running with the diapers is... Uh, you know that's brilliant, um, and I'll, I'll always have time for that sequence. I think the film as a whole doesn't totally hang together. It's nah. a bit, it's a bit all over the place, which is what I argue about most Coen Brothers stuff. Yeah, I think you know I was never a massive Fargo fan. If I'm perfectly honest, I just didn't see the uh, Fargo appeal. is quite, Fargo's quite good, but their their films suffer from the same problem as you say, which is often pace. Um, they they're a bit stop yeah. and starty, and again, a classic example of that is um, is the one of the more recent ones. With the sort of evil killer guy, what's it? Um, oh, no country for old no men. No country for old men, which is, you know, it's 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 a really good film when it's good, but it's just not good consistently enough to make it great. So it's just, you know, for every great scene, there's three scenes afterwards, which is just people talking to each other about really dull, in uninteresting things and moaning a lot. So I don't yes. know, and that's kind of the the film is. I know that's the kind of its modus, and and that's what it's kind of sort of all about, and everything else, and 
but again, I can give or take the Coen Brothers movies. This is the one I just don't really. I, I, yeah, it's, I, 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 don't, it, I don't mind it. It's all right. I think it's one of the films I really wanted to like because I think the Coens were always linked early on with Raimi, weren't they? So yeah, there is that. There, I was, think. A, there, is this, there was a link there. with. Well, so it had, yeah. had that same anarchic quality to it yeah, a little bit. Well, they, this one. They're just inventive with the. They are inventive filmmakers. There's no doubt about that in terms of how they do mm. things. And there is a look. And the way they put stuff together, and you know, they do, they do quite, they do unmenace quite well. So, and so a sequence that is quite menacing, but it doesn't actually appear initially, and then it gradually becomes a lot more menacing, very, and you know, just by process of strangeness or unusualness. And no country yeah, for yeah. men. There's an entire sequence where he menaces a guy about flipping a coin, which is you know, classic example of their kind of you know, unsaid menace. Um, yeah, yeah. Although, of course, by that point, you have watched him shoot someone's brains out with a with a cattle thing. So. Yeah, weird. Weird film. Weird. weird. Just weird. compressed air or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after that, you can have a couple of weeks off, and then the 23rd of July, you could have gone and watched Jaws, The Revenge. Jeez, would you, want, did you, would you have gone to see <laughs> yes. it? Did you go and I see did that? Go to, I did go to see this at the cinema. Jeez. Because uh, my brother took me, because of course he would. Did you ever um, forgive him? But <laughs> at, to, be, to be fair, at the cinema, I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, it just kind of worked. It was. I think I had also gone to see Jaws 3D. Yeah. Um, and I had seen Jaws 2, and Jaws was, I think, one of my first cinema memories. My brother took me to see that. So we kind of had this, we go see the Jaws film. So the the abomination that was Jaws 3D mm. had left such a sour taste in everyone's <laughs> mouths with the stupid Sam McCorkdale in the mouth, shark's mouth at oh, the end, uh, holding on to the grenade nonsense and the 3D and the slow, slow, crappy moving towards the glass. Oh, and, my God. Oh, no. it's so bad, Jaws 3D. That when this one came out, and that, that opening sequence where, you know, it, it kills the guy in the boat, uh, I'm not going to say who for spoilers reasons, but, you know, it's un- unexpected and quite brutal. It was like, mm. oh, that's, that was better. This feels like a Jaws film. Um, and then Michael Caine turned up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and stuff. And it's like, oh, what is going on here? Yeah. What is this? And it turns into something, the the shark remembers her. Yeah, shark revenge. <laughs> so, who? What, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Was it the, the mate of the first? I don't know. It's a stupid, stupid idea for a yeah. film. But it does have a good bit where it eats all those kids on the banana boat. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. you know, there's it's a film of weird, weird plot, crap effects. Yeah, crap. Um, effects. and I mean, at the end, they don't they impale it on the prow of the ship. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is in the we spoke in the last episode about a sequel to a game that nobody wanted. Oh, absolutely. Yes, and yes this, it is. All yeah. these Jaws sequels, apart from the second one, but all of these Jaws 3D and this one, because this is actually a sequel to Jaws 2, isn't it? This isn't the Jaws 3D doesn't exist as far as this film's concerned. Yeah, yes, because this is uh, set back on Amity. Yeah. What well, starts on Amity with yeah. Sean and Sean and Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just again a sequel nobody nobody really wanted. So and by this point, of course, we're well into our you know franchise repeat, franchise repeat, franchise repeat. And Spielberg must be just sat there going, "Why, why do this?" But you know, he's laughing all the way to the bank probably. Um, if he's if he's got anything to do with this uh, in any capacity, probably other, not. Than, other than the fact that he directed the first movie. I just the only thing thing I can think of is that this this whole idea spawned these stupid new shark movies ghost shark sharknado and they're they're all kind of twists and turns on this this particular kind of pastiche aren't they this they're pastiches yeah. of this film more than they are of the original jaws even the, just by process of them involving a shark it doesn't mean there are you know that there are there's a lineage direct lineage between jaws and any of those films but there certainly is one between a weird almost parody stupid you know it's when the plots are so ridiculous when you've got sharks seeking revenge 
and following yep. people around the earth. Those are the kind of stories that go shark where it, you know, a shark appears out of a tap and a puddle in Sharknado <laughs> world. That speaks for itself. And that, that you know, were those ridiculous stories that come along. Uh-huh. There's definitely a lineage there. I don't like any of them. I've got a friend who's well into all these shark movies. I yeah. mean, he absolutely laps them up. But, you know, me, you know, he thinks they're amazing. All of them. Me, um, there's only one shark movie I'll watch. Well, actually, that's not true. There's, there's been a couple recently. There's one with Blake Lively that was pretty was pretty good. Um, oh, uh, yeah. So there's been, a, there's been yeah. a couple, but they're, they're few and far between. I certainly don't have any time for these stupid, you know, Jaws the Revenge, Jaws 3D, and any of the ghost shark and any of that nonsense. No, thanks. Oh, God, no, no. Um, sharks in yeah, Venice. Those... Sharks in Venice as well is even worse. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, Jaws, Jaws 2, I like. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is this is you know I think at the time it was just I was what, well Jaws two years gave, old Jaws two gave me a bit of hope and that was that if I was ever trapped in a pool with a giant shark you can ward them off with a table tennis bat and and sort of just pang it onto the nearest thing pang pang because that's what he does with them. He's <laughs> that draws it to yeah yeah but he's got a giant you know cable electric cable yeah. I'm just thinking you know at least if you've got a paddle you stand a chance that's so, true yeah. or if you're LL Cool J because then you can survive from uh, deep. Deep blue, oh, deep, deep blue sea. Oh, stupid that film, isn't it? Utterly yeah. stupid. Although there is a bit, na- there's a nasty bit in that where someone gets crunched and eaten, like just eaten. I well, there's the bit where, bit where yeah, there's where it jumps out and grabs Samuel Jackson, then it also kills the woman in it. I yeah, yeah, so that's the one. Woman, just, just, yeah, just two bites, clomp, clomp, gone, and she's like, you know, yeah, quite, you know, it's quite. That's quite good. So <laughs> we like that. We like well. two bites and gone. It's like our Sunday lunches. <laughs> yeah, Sunday like a cream egg. She's eating like a cream egg. That's how I eat cream eggs now. It's gone, gone, gone. What do you mean now? <laughs> well, when I was a kid, I used to sort of bite the top off and suck out the goo. Now I just I don't have time for that. I don't really eat cream eggs a lot anyway. If I do, I just put them in one go, and then just then so I get if that... you'd like to eat this, so if you'd like to eat this cream egg slowly, but no time. I'm on. I, don't, I don't even bite it. I just I, I, I'll, I'll deliberately put an entire cream egg in my mouth and eat it, and then suffer the chocolate voice that's a result because you get that going. <laughs> So you know you can't you just get you're that just like, you get a honk you just honk one like, speak when you open your mouth it looks like Neo at the well, beginning of the Matrix where it's all joining together <laughs> it is the, the, now the challenge is the challenge is to try and is for to do that with a cream egg put one in your mouth and, and eat it in one go and then someone asks you a question you've got to try and answer without taking a big nose breath so you got to so you do that guy <laughs> you can honk you can't it's impossible. So, just uh, a challenge you know, can you avoid chocolate voice I don't think you can <laughs> Roland what's his face from Finding Cannibals to be able to do it oh he would he could do yeah. a massive honk yeah, he just he just honks and the chocolate just melts <laughs> and the glonk just shoves it on his thumb it's like a it just puts it on his thumb like a massive uh, <laughs> whatever that would be I don't like know. a bed knob <laughs> right okay um, anyway so yeah Jaws not good <laughs> Cabbage cream eggs. And we're coming up to cabbage cream eggs. This this podcast yeah. is sponsored by yeah, cabbage they're all cream out eggs. There. Now you can get them all now. But did, did yeah, you see, be careful, by the way, though. someone ate one, didn't they? The guy that he found the one that's worth ten grand and ate it, and then realised afterwards he'd eaten it. So. How did he know? Because it's, it's. I think it's. The, did he like just pass it out the same way? No, <laughs> I think, I think white, he just. I think he realised that as he'd eaten it, they were bitten because you're not supposed to eat them at all. Are you? You're not even meant to bite them. I think they're no. too. I don't know the rules of cream egg. It would never. I would never do the same. I would just eat them. No. But can only, why can you only buy? This is a question for Cadbury's. Why do you just release Cadbury cream eggs in boxes of four? Eggs come in boxes of six. Six, six eggs, <laughs> six, not four, six. Do it, do it, do it. Cho- chocolate rules, I guess. I don't know why. Just you know. It, it, anyway, doesn't matter. Chocolate. 
rules. Yeah. I mean, we're in the same world where we've got you know cheese and crisps in blue and salt and vinegar in green. You know, all bets are off. All it is. Off. None of this is good. None of it's good. Twenty uh, fourth of July, a day after going to see uh, Michael Caine trying to get eaten by a shark, um, and there's that line in there. You should have smelt the bloody breath on that thing. No, no. <laughs> 24th of July, you could have got seen an American tale. You could, yeah, yeah. I don't think, do you know what? I, I was trying to th- rack my brains to think if I've ever watched an American tale, and I don't think I have. No, don't. I don't. These you Now, it's funny because some Don Bluth animated films do appeal to me, but there's a whole load of them that don't. Old Dogs Go to Heaven, I think, is one of his. I'm not a big fan of that. Don't like really that like weird Secret of Nim. Sci-fi one. What's the sci-fi um, one you did? I couldn't. And there's a couple, isn't there? I can't remember. There's the there's the ones that you know. He famously did the Lord of the Rings, didn't he? And that one went a bit pear shaped. Although I actually quite like that. But is that Don Bluth? No. Oh, no, that's that's a thingy. That's the other right. guy, Ralph Bakshi. Ralph Bakshi. Yeah, and I'm getting them mixed up. No, Don Bluth is is the guy that did, definitely did Secret of Nim, and he did this one. Um, I think he was last of the great Disney sort of hand animators, wasn't he? It's beautiful animation in this, though. I have to be said on the little clips that mm. I watched. Um, I mean, let's not forget he did uh, Dragon's Lair. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was, I was trying to think. Where it, and his name was Titan AE. That's the one I'm thinking. Titan AE. Yeah. So it's more interesting, I think, for what happened around it more than what happens with it. Um, I think it did quite well at the box office, from what I read. Um, it was quite well received. This film. Um, I can the stories of uh, Fivel Mouskovitz and his family as they emigrate from Russia to the United States for freedom. I, I'm, I can't help but feel that's kind of very pertinent at the moment, maybe, but. Um, Either way, it was not a film I really entertained much. It, I remember that when I worked in the video shop, this this and a couple of others rented out quite a lot, so it must have been popular for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what happened afterwards, when the sort of is more around Spielberg set up his own animation studio after this, didn't he? And Amblin, Amblimation was set up, um, and I think Don Bluth was in partnership with Steven Spielberg when they made American Tale, and then I think they, I think. Don Bluth always seemed to have a lot of problems with the productions of his, and I think uh, the production of his films, and I think because he was a very traditional animator, and I think that process takes longer and is more difficult, and he liked to storyboard the entire film completely. And I think that doesn't necessarily sit well with somebody who likes to iterate over scenes and things like Spielberg. And so I think there was some incompatibility around somebody that wants to plan everything and have every scene. I know Spielberg does do that, but also Spielberg likes to try things out. And I think... You can't just go to an animation and go, can we try that but with a slight different expression? Because that's another 16 hours of somebody drawing cell animation. <laughs> and I think yeah, that's, that's a learning curve because I don't think this was maybe Spielberg's first attempt at this. Um, and I think that it's a learning curve for them. But I think what this prompted after that, this was quite successful. There was also The Land Before Time. And obviously there was Whom Frame Roger Rabbit all around sort of this time. And then after that, their partnership broke down, I think, with Spielberg, and he then formed Amblin, Amblimation and Amblin's own animation studio. And of course, they've gone on to do other. Well, I mean, Land Before things. Time was massive, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I, I, think, that, I think that was the that was the big Don Bluth one that I always seem to remember. Yeah, and there's loads of sequels to that now as well. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. And podcast friend Gary yeah. loves that movie. He still does. He does. He still does. Yeah. yeah he does. Anyway, but yeah. So I think other than it running into some production difficulties and Bluth never really seeming to escape out of that, and afterwards, because I think this was another one where it was just you know they run out of time. I think, and it, I can only imagine how frustrating it must be. I'm no, I'm no artist of any I can't draw at all. So being able to draw that that level consistently, but I can't imagine how frustrating it must be to sort of be on a timeline for something like that. So right, we need a thousand drawings by the end of next week, and you're like, I'm just it's art at the end of the day, and it's you know it's not necessarily going to work that way. It's, you know, you can't apply that production 
mentality methodology to something that somebody is handcrafting up. I think perhaps it's no. It's just the two things will inevitably conflict with each other at some point. Obviously, until you know, computers step in at some point and go, "Dah, who needs any?" Of that weirdly, anymore? he weirdly he was uh, animation director on a game called Tapper World Tour, Weird. which came out in 2011. Bizarre. Who knew? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a reinterpretation of Tapper mm. for iOS. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, never heard of it. No. But anyway, you know, you can check out American Tale. It's down. It's about to be uh, on some streaming service or other somewhere. Disney, yeah, Disney I mean, Plus, I, but it'll be on one of them. Yeah, I, like I said, I mean, I, I know he's done a lot. Obviously, in, video, in terms of video games, Dragon's Lair, Space Ace as well, and things like that. So. Yeah, because this this free... Uh, Disney's rebirth. Is this pre-Disney when Disney went on to do the big uh, sort of Lion Kings and stuff like that? This is just before that cusp, isn't it? I think this is this is before um, Little Mermaid. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be. Yeah. So um, and uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, before Disney came along, and went. Yeah, this is how we do it. Like this, boom. This is what we're doing now. Yeah, and we're we're well. They started to incorporate computers, didn't they? Yeah, and co-opting yeah. every European folklore tale they could. Absolutely. Yeah. Bloody Disney! They co-opted us. They have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're a, we're a European folklore tale now. That we're, <laughs> we have to say, Disney are good, Disney are great. I wear my Disney pants yes, every day. Well, they protect their IP very fiercely. In fact, they've even got like robots, drones they can send out. Just be careful have, what you yeah. say. Just be careful what you Absolutely, say. Absolutely, yeah. I think I hear one outside my window yeah, right now. The Disbots. Don't mess with them. <laughs> Absolutely. They've got the face of Walt Disney. Uh, or Mickey Mouse. You have Mickey Mouse ears. Yeah, That's what Mickey they fire Mouse the lasers ears, yeah. from. <laughs> The last thing you hear is Mickey's Mickey's laugh, um, and then it's death for you. There we go. That's the TV and video. Chippy. <laughs> wow. Okay. All death right. By all right. Mouse all right. Happy. Death by, death by. Don't say that. It's one of the dwarves. They'll get you for IP. <laughs> yeah, be careful. Funny though, a friend of mine did do. You can, you can never mention a feeling. A friend of mine one of the did dwarves. years ago did a really good. I don't know what happened to it. He did this really good. Um, Han, he was a good artist and he did his own version of something called Escape from Dismal Land which is where Mickey Mouse was tired of being happy all the time and so he escaped um, and just, I had very, very vague it's like a cartoon comic strip that he drew and there was one particular image I remember it was um, Mickey look, look at a, a Mickey with stubble looking into a mirror like with really big bags under his eyes and looking really bedraggled it's just in the, I think it was a statement in the corner or something like I can't do this anymore such a I just remember that image thinking, wow, that's actually pretty pretty powerful stuff. A Dizbot probably got him shortly after that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You've not seen him for a while, have you? No, I haven't, actually, oh, no. Help. <laughs> <laughs> hello, fella. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> I don't know why my Mickey's Irish. Well, t- terribly Irish. Well, uh, it's an Irish sounding name. I guess it is. I never thought of that, but I guess it is. Mickey um, O'Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey O'Mouse. <laughs> Oh Jesus! <laughs> right, let's go <laughs> quick. The dis the disbots are going to get us. They're going to get us for sure. Uh, that's it. That's your TV and video. So you could have you could have been watching watching. Uh, you could have uh, been enthralled by Star Cops. You could have missed the news at one o'clock because it started at half twelve. Uh, you could have wondered what was going on with Roger Cook and whether he's going to get killed by threatening uh, uh, criminals. Uh, you could have tuned in for some uh, Network East. You could have missed Shadow of the Stone like we did um, on TV. You could have wondered what the hell Paltokay is. You could have enjoyed a bit of Coen Brothers with Raising Arizona, wondered at what the hell you were watching with Jaws Revenge, and then finally... You know, thought, oh, you did Space Race and uh, Dragon's Lair and watching an American tale. So there you go. That's your TV and video. We'll be back after this short break where we will continue. We've got another five games to play through. And I am sure, I am sure, Graham, 
that they are all ace. Mm. We will find out after this break. Sun, Sea and Chippy Tea to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com. Let's take another listen to his amazing new book, Escape from the Commodore 64. Sarah, Sarah shook her hand. What do you mean you're stuck? Well, Nell shoved her hands on her hips. I haven't escaped, so I just keep rolling in a loop till I get it right. I don't know how it all works, but I gather I only get so many tries until I'm stuck forever. Sarah frowned, confused. Stuck forever? Ah, yep. Them's the rules, it seems. The rules? Sarah exclaimed. There were rules? This isn't even real. I can assure you it is, Nell laughed sarcastically. You think I'm in here because I couldn't find a better fun park? So let me get this straight, Sarah paced by the ship. You're telling me that we are stuck inside a Commodore 64 and that we only have limited chances to get out. That's exactly what I'm saying. As the mayor of Targ, I declare this book awesome. Escape from the Commodore 64 audiobook is out right now. Visit davidhernwriter.com today. What are you waiting for? And we're back. We are back. We are back. And it is 1942, Graham. It is 1942. It is 1942, um, and it would be if it's 1942. That means it can only mean one thing. It is time to speak about the Great Escape. Cue, mm. uh, cue, in, you know, bit of music here that'll get us we'll put struck off, there. struck off YouTube as per normal. Yeah. Um, that's what normally happens. Anyway, it's 1942, um, and this is an ocean title. This is nine pounds. So you have been captured and placed in a high security German POW camp, prisoner of war camp. The camp is based on a peninsula. That is surrounded on three sides by steep cliffs and the North Sea. Um, on the last side is a single road that leads in and out of the camp, and only those with official papers can get through the gate. The compound is surrounded by high fences, patrols with dogs, and observation towers that shine powerful searchlights during the night. Suffice to say, escape seems impossible, and so it would seem, as the resident prisoners have given themselves over to waiting for an end to the war, as all their escape attempts so far have been foiled. But this does not deter you, and you will do your utmost to get out of this place. Because of the previous attempts at escaping, the camp is riddled with underground tunnels and various objects that can help in your quest to be free. So there you go. That is the great escape. That is what we've got here. So this leads to... Uh, this leads the way to an isometric conversion from the Spectrum original. Okay. So this was originally designed by John Heap and Ali Noble, who between them made up part of Denton Designs, and they had worked on Shadowfire, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, and Enigma Force. Um, and at this point, John Heap was doing the coding, so he did coded this on the Spectrum, and Ali Noble did the visuals. Uh, I'm not sure who did the conversion for the C64, uh, as I could only find credits that just say Denton Designs. So I don't know who the actual individuals were that ported this. It may have been them, it may have been somebody else. Anyway, let's start with the positives here. This is a clever game. Um, there is a clever game this that allows the player a great amount of freedom in how they approach it. So the Great Escape works. It's a prisoner of war camp, so the game exists on a daily routine. So in general, what happens each day, you know, as within any prison war camp, I would have imagined, there was a routine. So you've got to attend roll call in the morning. You have set meal times. Um, and you have to attend these. If you do not, then your absence will alert the guards and they will come looking for you and bad things will happen. So this, ga this game is one of those earlier examples where you have a, 
a daily routine sort of where you have something running over so it's not a immediate it's not a game where it's for immediate gratification this is something you've got to kind of learn you have to run the routine of this game and all things happen at a certain time so that's how you that's how you've got to play this you kind of got to work it out so if they do come looking for you and they find you this is bad for your morale so your morale is the way that the game tracks your progress um and your overall will to proceed so we'll call it that because it's not quite, you know, it's kind of different to uh, life or death. So this is kind of an, it's like an energy bar, but it can be go up and down. So do good things, find a new location or object, and this will raise your morale. Your morale starts at 100 points and goes down or up, depending on what you do. If you get captured, if you lose stuff, if you have bad things happen, this will lower your morale. So this bar, this uh, this um, morale is shown uh, so it's out of 100. And what it should never do, it should never reach zero. If it does reach zero... It's game over, uh, as you become another disillusioned prisoner convinced that escape simply is not possible. You have basically given up at that point. So that's what you've got to do. You need to keep your morale above zero, otherwise it's game over. So like I said, it's it's kind of an energy bar, but it's not. It's more of a sort of psychological tally of your state of mind, I guess. So at its heart, this game is kind kind of like an early stealth game. Um, in in a sense of you've got to kind of be stealthy around it. You've got to kind of figure out your way around and not get spotted when you're doing stuff. Like in later games like Tenchu and things like that where you're sort of stealthing around being a ninja. Camp soldiers, they will follow a routine uh, that you can learn. Uh, there's a camp commandant who will just wander about and sort of turn up unexpectedly in certain points. Um, but you can use uh, the routine of the normal soldiers to your advantage. And you've got to really kind of, kind of learn where they go, what time they go there, when they go, and how they walk, and sort of stay out of their stay out of their viewpoint. Some have dogs, and you don't want to get sniffed, and things like that. There are objects to be found, uh, picked up, and they can be used. There are num- numerous objects, spades, all kinds of stuff, wire cutters uh, that can be used in obvious ways. Spades uh, allows you to dig and find the tunnels underneath. Wire cutters can be used to cut the wires, that sort of thing. Um, the tunnels can be used to try and scope out places as you can sort of use them to sort of go where they, you know, follow them to find where they go and allow you to plan out your escape. And your escape, you know, this takes t- careful time and precision. This is not a game you're going to complete quickly. You have to learn the routine of the camp. You've got to figure things out. You've got to work, work, try what works. Does this work at this time? Will I get spotted? Okay, and that sort of thing. So this is a game that's going to test your mind as much as your reflexes it's not a game you can walk through on autopilot but i'll come to the autopilot thing in a moment you need to think and you need to plan this so that you can actually leave the game to actually play on autopilot though you can leave the player character alone and what happens at that point the computer will just walk them through the daily routine for you it's almost like a demo mode built into the game that you can break out of at any moment just by moving the joystick that's really quite clever it's a really clever touch is it allows you to get a feel for the game and what it wants from you and where to go for roll call and meals and the like so you can kind of just leave it playing and follow it and watch it and go, right, I need to be here at this time. I need to do that. I need to do that, blah, blah, blah. Okay, all this is good. There are even multiple ways. There's freedom to uh, approach this. There's multiple ways to escape the camp, which again shows that there's some really clever design work here. Um, they've really thought about this. The so John Heap, Ali Noble, they've, they've thought about this. And it's clear, you know, that there's, they've put a lot of thought and effort into this and thinking about how can we make, you know, the, the objective of trying, instead of just being prescripted, this is, you've got to do this, 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 this to sort of solve the puzzles. There's a bit more freedom here to sort of attempt it in any kind of way that is available to you with the objects that are on hand. The problem is, I still don't like it. But we'll come to why that is in a moment. It's not as slow as some isometric adventures, certainly not as slow as that bloody legend of Norman. Uh, but the mix of and, and and I quite like the way it's presented. The mix of scrolling outside. So you, when you're wandering around the camp outside, it scrolls around with you. When you go internally, because you can go in any of the uh, you go in the, the there's the huts. Uh, so you have to go for exercise and bits and bobs. So that's all outside. But if you go in the huts, then it turns like into a flick screen. 
sort of single screen, so there's doors, doorways. So if you walk through them, it flicks to the next one, and that's how it works in them. So that's quite it's quite a nice mix. So, but it's but the problem is it's inferior to the original Spectrum version, um, and it suffers the same problem as most of these do on the C64. It's still too slow to be engrossing, and it just gets really ploddy after a while if you get a few prisoners on screen and soldiers like the the bit where you do the roll call it just grinds down and it really sort of chugs starts to chug away mm. and this grind this just grinds me down as a, as a player i'm like oh for god's sake i like the idea and the design behind it. it's all good the the single color isometric visuals they're detailed they're quite well animated but i and 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 this is something i'm just going to say about it that's something i came to kind of realize while playing this i kind of never could shake the feeling that i was playing a, a suboptimal version of the game so in the here and now, you wouldn't you wouldn't play the C sixty four version of this. You just play the Spectrum version. It's faster. You know, it's better. It's a sim- simple fact. There's no arguing around this. It's just. But I know you could play this on warp speed and stuff like that, whatever you want to do. So you could speed it up. Um, but it's there's more to it than that. The, the, the Spectrum version is how it's meant to be played. There's there's also changes to the UI from the Spectrum version. I don't know if you had a look at the Spectrum version. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, um, but the Spectrum in that version, like um, the morale. Uh, it's a it's a flag up a pole on the left hand side of the screen fluttering away and it goes up and down it changes color red and green and it's a nice visual display um of your of your morale um and the score displayed in the bottom right is on the material parts of a series of medals what do they call the material parts a bit the hang up i don't know what they call it the ribbons. medals you got the medal the ribbons sorry so it's, it's on the ribbons bums you got the medals at the bottom and then the ribbons and they've got a number on them and that's your score on the C64 version all we have is the word morale with a number below it in the bottom left, and the, and the same with the score. It just says score, and it's just like oh, it looks just in comparison. It's crap. It, the, the the nice UI layout, the sort of lovely touch that's gone they've gone to to make it sort of look and fill that screen because the game takes place in a sort of in a window in the screen. It's not full screen. It takes place in a quite a, quite a sizable window. It's bit it's bigger than some of the other um, isometric stuff we've seen. So that's all right. The scrolling is okay, but on the spectrum it seems smooth. In the C64 version, it lurches, which is a bit of a problem, which is kind of how to add. It's like it doesn't scroll all the screen at one go. It's like trying desperately to do it all in one go, but you can see it going, and it can't quite keep up. And these touches, they count to the overall impression, and it's what you take away from the game. And for me, this all impacted negatively with it. So with the myriad ways of playing these games, you know, game now, you, you play this on any kind of convert, you just this is not the version you want to be spending time with. You go play the Spectrum version. And I, I came to kind of a realization while, while playing this. This was the thing I had at the time. We had, we had, we both had friends with Spectrums. Yeah, we, we know. Um, we had a lot of friends. And I, and I knew people who played this um, and they really raved about it. They really yeah, liked same. it. So, the, the, so there was people who were raving about it. And when I got the C64 version, and I did play it back then, I knew I wasn't playing the best version. Mm. And I think that kind of colored my opinion of it. And I think that's something I've had forever it's like if i'm not playing like i always wanted a top ass pc i'd never had one but i always wanted one so i was like i'm not playing the best version i wanted the best version of a console version of something if it ran better on a certain machine i would have that console i've got to get that way so and that's when and i think that's just part of who i am and when it, you know you want to be playing what is considered at least uh, the one of the optimal versions of the game and this isn't and i know there's an argument there well you really enjoyed things like the Eidolon and Cronus Rift and things like that, and the Atari 800 versions were faster and probably a bit better. The difference was I, I didn't know anyone with an Atari 800 XL or anything back then, so I had nothing to compare it to. They were unheard; they were pretty unheard of in the UK, um, and especially around Grimsby. They just didn't know yeah, anyone with one. But Spectrums, Amstrads, when the better versions of them were around, you were, you were in no uncertain terms that the game that you were playing was inferior and i think that kind of colors all this stuff so 
it, it's to me it's like the C64 is at its peak when it's doing things that does well. You know, it's Iridiums, it's you know, Last Ninja, that's isometric, but it's whiz balls. It's things like that, you know, sprites and stuff and that, that 2D brilliance, and that's what it does well. It, when it you're playing this and you're just thinking, well, right now, I, you know, the whole point of this podcast is like, dust off the roast tinted specs, do these games still stand up? Well, you know, despite all the cleverness behind this, I, I can't say go play the C64 version of The Great Escape. If you kind of want to play this, the Spectrum version is the winner, hands down. It just looks better, runs nicer, it's a better game. And and I think that, that just colours my opinion on this. So I just get that these games, because they're not built for the C64 from the ground up, they're just Spectrum conversions. They just kind of take me out of it a little bit and rub me up a bit the wrong way, I think. And sometimes I just came to sort of an understanding of playing this and mm. had a bit of a think around it. But I don't know. Did you enjoy it? For the same reasons, no. Now, I'm not suggesting that The Great Escape isn't a very ingenious design for a game because it is and i liked i like the way it played out i liked everything about that i like the fact that it has that routine that you can dive in and out of the routines and and you you know that i really like the way that exploratory nature of this game is brilliant just not on mm. this hardware it's just for me the, the entire experience of this game is hampered by the hardware limitations of the c64 in this version now I, I, like you i had friends with spectrums like you they all raved about this game. And I can imagine, I can see why you would if you had a game that was playing on an optimal version. But the C64 is struggling here. And its struggles become so so implicit in your understanding of that game world. They actually hinder the game experience. And when they're doing that, as we'll come, we've come across this time and time again with these isometric type games, Nosferatu is a, is a nice game idea, hampered in, in instances when, when as soon as you get more things on the screen than the hardware is able to cope with at that time, you're in difficult territory and it ruins the game. It ruins, it takes you out of the game space. It's mm-hmm. hard to, to, in a game like this, which is absolutely reliant on you taking observations of everything that's going on, where the guards are, what time they're doing this, what things are happening. When it starts to slow down and judder, it just takes you out of the game world. It, then why, like you say, why would you do that? So oh, this is a great game trapped on the wrong hardware for me. And I came to the same similar realization to you actually. Now, now that these games don't generally really get my, you know, get they're they're not really my cup of tea always. Um, not just because this is an isometric spectrum game, which normally gives me nightmares anyway. But um, <laughs> but these these kind of games generally don't. However, this one, um, having sort of grid through all of this stuff and got sort of tried to let it play out, um, and having looked at the spectrum version as well. Um, I could see that there's a lot, such a lot of game to get into. You know, you, you need patience for this game. You need to really keep your eye on things. It's exciting. There's there's moments when you you know you're out, you're out against the clock and you're trying to you know there's moments where it's it's you know you really are on the edge of your seat. In some instances, am I going to get back to that place in time? Are the guards going to find me? Did that dog smell? Well, you know, and all all those things that um, make this game great. You just it needs to have flow. The game needs to flow and not judder and flick and stodge. And moments of calamity when when too much is happening, and so the whole thing starts to just become. It takes you out of the game space, and it presents you with a broken game at times. I think, and nobody mm-hmm. wants that. And the game isn't broken; it's just broken on this hardware. So for me, the hardware limitations that are clearly being shown on display here by this, the miniaturization of its working screen, by the scrolly judderness, by the too many things, those things become deal breakers for me on this kind of game. So as you rightly say, great game, go and play it on the right hardware. And we've said that about yeah. games on the C64 as well. It's not a great game on that platform, but the C64, this is like like we said about Wizball. The C64 version of Wizball is de facto the best one. Go and play it on a C64. 
I yes. would say go and play that on the Spectrum because it's not as good. And I think, in no. all fairness, The Great Escape is a great game design. It certainly deserves its 89%. I just think the review should have said, but this is not an optimal version. This is this has got real problems in terms of its hardware interpretation. So, sorry. Not not, not uh, a bit of a odd game to review, really. I, just like, I like the alternative versions, but not this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a good game, but not, not here. No. Nope. Shame. Oh, well, there you go. There's your Great Escape. You'll probably stop listening now. <laughs> I don't know, maybe because oh well, you could do actually because the next one's not going to uh, not going to be uh, well. I don't know, it might be. You might have loved the next one, Graham. Mm. <laughs> don't look at me like that. Let's move on. Let's let's escape out of here and let's go into our next game. So let's get our leotards back on it again. Let's tag each other um, and let's do some I don't know some strange moves and. Get into tag team wrestling. So, tag team wrestling from US Gold. Now, my instinctive thought was this: Have I time travelled when I played this? back to 1984? Yes, yes, you have. Because this is visually like something that's that should have been released as a budget game. I think the fact that this is ten quid is just extraordinary to me. So, this is a wrestling game, one-on-one wrestling type game. Actually, tag team wrestling game. There's two sets of fighters: Ricky's fighters, who were the good guys, and strong and bad. <laughs> <laughs> the, the bad guys it was strong I guess um, you control your player with the joystick running around the ring you press fire to grab your opponent and then you can sort of move the directions on the joysticks and you'll choose a move to do whether it's a body slam or a pile driver or you you name it. there's a range of moves you can do they, obviously the idea of the game is to pin your opponent down for a count of three and win um, there's parts in this so the graphics are really it's just bad bad it's, it's a side view-ish an elevated side view is the best way I can describe this of mm-hmm. the of the wrestling action, um, and so it's kind of weird to sort of you kind of run around in three D space but in two D. It's not very good, and you sort of throwing your blocky opponents across the ring, and there's no real weight or heaviness or anything to these. And remember, wrestlers generally speaking are six foot seven blocks of meat, massive dudes <laughs> throwing each other around yeah. in there. None of that's presented here. They're just like little, you know, they're just not very good. And so none of that is conveyed here. So you don't get any of the weight and, you know, and the brouhaha of wrestling in this. It's right back to basics. This is actually an arcade conversion. So there's an arcade of this. Yeah. It was from 1983, a Data East arcade. Um, and the arcade itself is because it's old, but at 1983 terms, it's probably all right. But, you know, look how far we've come. I mean, championship wrestling is out there for crying out loud. Even rock mm-hmm. and wrestle was better than this. And that's saying something. Yes. So you go back into this um, this game. You can you can go out of the ring, and there's some little, there's some nice little. There's, I suppose, I'm trying to find the right. The one good thing I'll say about this, one simple thing, I quite like the way you could choose your move because that's been something that's been difficult in the other games to sort of really do. So when you've got something, even though this game is not very good, but when you do press your button and he grabs, and then you've got a little moment to choose your move, that's quite nice because. The moves are a bit mysterious in all the other wrestling games. And certainly in Championship Wrestling, you never really know what you're doing. No. Um, so at least there's that. Um, and you can go outside of the ring and you can do a sort of, you know, throw them into the you know, sort of the metal poles and jump on each other. And, and all that stuff is here. Um, it just it just doesn't look very good, play very well. And it's just not very good. When you win, but they, did you win a match, bro? When I win a match, they do a really weird sort of stompy dance. The winning team yes. is really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's again... It's an arcade conversion of something from 1983 done not very well. So it got 25% in Zap. And it, apparently it was this was double released with Karate Champ. 
as well. So you've got Correct Champ and Tag Team Wrestling on the same, I guess, on the B side, A side. I'm not sure that's a good thing. Yeah. I uh, yeah, but I know Karate Champ also got an Americana release, so yeah, we're so going to look at that next, again, next time. So, so. You know, why would you exactly? Why would you buy this at ten quid? And I don't know. I, I, the logistics of all that aside, this isn't very good. And in a world where you've got Championship Wrestling, which is kind of the you know the best one of all of these, why would why would they choose to release this utter utter, yeah. utter shite? Because US Gold released Championship Wrestling, didn't they? Yeah, they, yeah they, that's did, what I mean. So it's just shooting. I don't know. I don't get why this has been released. I don't understand. No, that. I don't. I'm guessing, you know, is there a contractual obligation? Did one of them get put in some kind of headlock? You know, did, <laughs> you know what happened? Was there a wrestling match loss? And the, one of the, you know, if you lose this match, you've got to release Tag Team Wrestling. I don't, I don't understand it. It's not very good. No. Um, it's not very good at all. So, no, I, I didn't like it. Um, the only thing they say, the only thing I liked was the fact that the move, the choosing your moves did allow you to sort of get an idea of the move you were choosing, which is, that's a nice thing because all the other wrestling games I've found have been a little bit mysterious in that area, but that's the only saving grace. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so, just a waggle the joystick somewhere. Right, yeah. And the sound in this was weird as well, but, you know, it's a throwback to sort of sound from yesteryear for me. So, I know, it was yeah. not, it's not very good, not very good at all. Did you like it? Yeah. No, it's a confusing release. This, I mean, it's I mean, it's tag team. So we've not had tag team wrestling before, have we? No, no, so, it's one on one of the others, aren't they? Yeah, it's always one on one. So this is tag team, but it's weird how at some points when they'll grab hold of you, your your, your tagger, will, your partner will just come <laughs> running tagger. in, and your tagger. I don't know what you call him. Your partner will just come running in um, and just t- tag you. <laughs> That's your, tag, the tagger. Your, tagger, your tagger pops out. It's unfortunate. It might mean that your, your like shorts are too tight. If that's happening. <laughs> Well, it would make the whole game seem a bit more interesting if it was tagger team wrestling. Oh dear, tagger no. wrestling. It sounds painful. <laughs> no. um, so it's it's weird. It's a full price release of the. It's, this is the nineteen eighty four game. It says it on the title screen. It does um, nineteen eighty four conversion by Data East? So it was made by oh, God knows who, but they never did anything else. Um, and coming with Karate Champ on the B side. It's like what you know because they knew. You always know you always when they know. have to sort of spice it up. You always know. Um, so there's no excuse for this releasing this at full price. It should. We I thought we'd seen the back of this 1984 deluge full price stuff ages ago, back in 1985. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but here we are again, two years later. This, you know, in con- in comparison to all the budget stuff we're seeing, why is this not a budget release? Why? Yeah, it should be. I mean, as a budget release, you could kind of go, all right. Yeah. It's not the best, but two quid. You get a bit of fun out of this. Compare and contrast this with the classic activism stuff we've been seeing getting released at the budget price. And it just, you know, throws releasing this terrerrible conversion into some relief. It's like, that's not good. You're comparing this against no. Hero and River Raid and stuff. The conversion itself, yeah, may include all the elements of the arcade original, but it, I thought it played poorly. And yeah. it's even with it, even with some fun elements. I did quite like that, the outside the ring fighting. Yeah. Um, you know, that's quite good when you get knocked out of the ring and there's a bit you're running around trying to pick up stuff and whatever. That's that's all right. But what is what is here, released at full price in nineteen eighty seven, is very poor choice from US Gold. As a budget release, yeah, it could have passed muster. Uh, but at full price, I'm afraid it's the rectum rumbler for this one. That's all I can say. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is indeed. In a, in, a throw, in a throwback to my uh, uh, classic wrestling move. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> the Aquiline which, Avalanche was your wrestler, I believe. I was. I was the Aquiline Avalanche. And uh, the rectum rumbler was my uh, was my special De- move. Devastating special <laughs> move where you possibly pushed your thumbs up your opponent's rectum, I believe. It was well. Basically, was uh, yeah. I would ju- I would squat down with both, clasp both hands together with thumbs <laughs> thumbs upwards, and then ram it up. <laughs> it's it's got to be said. It's unusual at best. That. 
Absolutely. That's gonna get that's gonna go make uh, Ric Flair go, ooh. You're not kidding it. <laughs> sure. yeah, that's it. And you might need to uh, so, cl- clean those thumbs. <laughs> and clean, and especially the thumbnails. <laughs> they're gonna cut they're gonna come out bestowed. They might, they might, not, they might come out with no nails. Hey. <laughs> 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 bestowed so, that's gross, so, gross. <laughs> uh, so there we go tag team wrestling it's uh, it's a thumbs double thumbs up the arse from me <laughs> I'm, I'm saying no more it sounds painful and horrible and, and it's put me off bisto for the rest of my lateral life so, <laughs> so well there you go that's the under your thumbnails uh, there we go, tag team wrestling. Let's move. Let's move along swiftly and get let's out. Go. Of that. Let's uh, get, get out of let's here. Let's get out of that. Let's get out of that ring. <laughs> Cuss up next uh, is an is another full pricer, eight ninety five. This is Eagles. 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 Um, fly free. It does, yes. These do, anyway. Far into the future, Graham. Uh, in 2846, to be precise, the 300-year war is still raging on. Well, it wouldn't be called the 300-year war if it wasn't. No, it wouldn't. It's still going on. Having destroyed all nuclear weapons some 800 years prior to this, wars are now fought by genetically created beings who are designed to destroy anything that moves. Sounds, lo- sounds more this- complicated. And- it, well, it really does, yeah. The heroes of this period are just like the heroes of before, skilled pilots who fly the deadly eagle fighters against the invading alien hordes and engaging in dogfights with enemy pilots. We haven't progressed much in 800 years. No, we haven't. So you must struggle to end the alien invasion in your eagle fighter jet with your weapons of courage, skill, and the eagle fight jet. So we're at war with aliens again, and we still fly fighter jets 800 years into the future. So there Can you, you weaponise courage? Is that... Is that something uh, that can be weaponized? Well, if it's a lion, fight, 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 <laughs> firing buckets of courage at people lion, seems well, counterproductive. Well, c- the cowardly lion—if you you make him courage, you give him courage, and you could you yeah, know, fire lions at people. You, yeah, if you've got a massive lion, wep- you're weaponizing lions, not courage. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, anyway. uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You, I, you might be able to. <laughs> it's the future. Anything goes. Anything goes. <laughs> they got rid of anything the weapons, goes in the future. So who knows? Around about this time, this this is around about the same time in the future as well as when that um, what's his face from um, that what was that other one with that platformer that crappy platformer where he's getting out of his gourd on space mushrooms oh, or something goodness. before coming There's back too too many to even think about which before one that coming was. back to Earth. We reviewed it the other month the other week. Um, no, what I was it? I can't remember. Vampire. Oh God, yeah, vampire, wasn't it? Yeah, he was just getting out of his uh, getting out of his gourd on space mushrooms or something. He was, yes. Wondering about coming back to thingy. So this is around about the same time. So you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. going on in. 800 years time anyway eagles uh, it is a split screen one or two player drop zone alike where you pilot your craft around a looping landscape shooting aliens and depositing pods into a handy drop shoot it was coded by bo nielsen and the graphics were by per madsen and the music is by johan bieregard um from a presentation standpoint this is very nice i would have to say there's mm. a nicer track screen well laid out options and menus uh, the music is quite pleasant, and the use of the flying eagle fighter, an explanation to the various enemies is all good. So the way the eagle fighter goes against the options is quite yeah, nice, yeah, I thought. Yeah, nice. It's quite nice. Uh, nice option screen. So nice presentation from the outside. This has the. It's made by Houston, so it's released by Houston. It has that Houston polish. You know, It's not quite Braybrook quality title screen, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, 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 it's in that ballpark. It's a, you know, yeah, for the first right. game, it's a good, good attempt. Um, so in-game, things are good. It looks really nice. A very well done split screen effect. Really mm. nice. No glitches at all. 
I mean, it's smooth and fast. Yeah. Uh, and that's always good. Scrolls nice and fast in both directions. The landscapes are nicely drawn. They're reminiscent of drop zones. Um, and the main eagle craft and the various aliens are also pretty well done. The UI is kept nice and simple with both player one and player two scores. It's just basically it's a line of text across the middle of the screen, splitting yeah. the two split the two views which works so you, you know where it is whether you're on the top or the bottom um it all seems very positive at this point but however the main issue and and it is the main issue it's a big issue is the size of your ship it's too big yeah <laughs> it's, it's too big in split screen games screen real estate is at a premium and here the main eagle fighter although well drawn and animated um it's just too big and thus the play area becomes too small so it takes you at what feels like too long to be able to turn around because it's this big animated thing. Yep. It's like, yeah, turn around and this, like in sort of drop zone, it's like nice and fast and quick because you've got the whole screen. Here, you've only got half that screen, but the craft is probably bigger because it's wider because you're a jet fighter, not a man on a jet pack. Mm. Um, it's too big. Um, and problem number two is to cap this off. The actual game is just not that much fun. So as in drop zone, Al, you have to you collect pods that are floating somewhere in the level. Um, you know, in drop zone, you pick them up off the floor and take them back and then they roll on in. In this, it's the same sort of thing. They'll just be floating there in the air. And once done, your ship starts to flash and then you have to fly low over the drop-off chute and that's it, really. Um, there's some shooting of aliens, there's some aliens moving around. And obviously, don't forget, this is two players. So even in one player, the the computer controls the other jet fighter. So you do pass each other and you're supposed to be working in tandem cooperatively, but also against each other to get best score. So it's kind of a... Uh, you know, who proves you to the best fighter, but we're still working together. Um, but with the computer's pretty crap. Don't really do anything when you play with that. And, and, I, and obviously, didn't get to play it in two player. Um, so that's it. So you flash, you drop them off. That's it. There's some shooting of aliens. Uh, later on, you get a devastator device, um, which sounded to me like a smart bomb, which kills everything on screen. Um, but it never really lifts itself above average to play. It got 47% which is about right. There's a bonus level when you collect enough pods. We have to try and shoot down an enemy UFO. Uh, but again, this is where the size issue comes in. You're simply not nimble enough, nor small enough to do any damage to it. And when you die, you get some bonus points to level and then move on to the next to get a different landscape. It's all right. The game, it's, it's not bad. It's competently programmed and it looks and sounds good. It's just not that enjoyable to play. And it's a shame, really, because the talent behind it, you know, they're obviously capable from a technical point of view. I don't know whether these people were demo makers or something. I don't know. But, um, it seems to have that demo shine and polish to it. We mm. seem to get in some of these games where demo makers come along and make a game, but don't quite have the game design chops. Mm. Um, or they, they want to, they're visually quite good and they can draw cool sprites and they're animating it and all they're doing this cool, you know, raster splits and all this kind of cool stuff. And it all works perfectly. They just need a designer to hone it all in something that befitted the presentation. Mm. And the first thing the designer would have done is go, make that ship smaller. Yeah, Because if you look at something like Iridis Alpha, which is a kind of similarish design, I suppose, although that's one player, your, liquor sh your ship is small. Yeah. And thus, it does, you know, it, there's plenty of space to move around and things. Yeah. So this is the sort of thing. The, the ship in this is like about two and a half times the size of your craft in uh, mm. Iridis Alpha. And that's that's what the main problem with it with, is with this. And simply, really, just, you know... I don't know. It just didn't feel like there's just in, enough enough chaos or enough to it. Like with Drop Zone, it's fast and arcadey. This just felt not quite enough going on because of that lack of screen space. Mm. Nice idea, but just lacking lacking in uh, final sort of gameplay chops. I think that was my take yeah. on it. What about you? Yeah, uh, same. Um, it's an attempt at a game twist, isn't it? You know, two player simultaneous yeah, yeah. co op side scrolling shoot up. All right, and and paper that sounds pretty cool. Graphics here are good. You know, the the pre presentation's all good. 
the game does suffer from that big problem though that oh everything's embiggened your sprite's too big it's the embiggening <laughs> of the sprites so you know the, the enemy sprites are too small and you're too big um, and that makes it cumbersome to control in a small window so eventually that's going to become a problem with the game because you're just going to tire of trying to even navigating like you say just turning just turning your craft around shouldn't be this uh, you know this laborious task and in this game it kind of feels like it because you're a big massive thing on the screen so, you know, just make your game a bit smaller, make the Grimm's sprites a bit smaller and neater, and it would have just worked just as well. So it's a good idea, ru- sort of ruined a little bit by that. But everything else, the presentation sounds good, music's good, background's quite a bit repetitive, but they were perfectly fine in that in the way of this game where it's not a terrible idea for a game either. Good idea. Mm. Just didn't work here because uh, everything was too big. At full price, though, I don't know, maybe maybe get away with it, but it's a bit. I think this is a bit repetitive for a full price game at this stage. Yeah, you know, I think I keep thinking to myself. You know, we've played Whizball now, and so Shoot Whoops have got a lot of competition here. Um, and even this one has yeah. this novelty two-player twist, and it is, like you say, very, very, very well programmed. Just unfortunately, somebody didn't come along and go, "That spaceship's massive." If only that had happened. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I, 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 I give I it. I like a, what I play. I, but. I give it a bit of a break in the Whizball thing because I mean, Whizball's just come out at the same time, so they've had no time to sort of react to it. I think. But. No, no, I think I, I think th- th- it's a good idea. I think it just, like you said, it's a good idea. But it needs more game, and part yes. of that game design would have been to make more game, and also somebody to say you, your spaceship's too big. It's way too big. Yeah, massively it's way too, too big. big. Yeah, too. You've embiggened it. Um, de- you know, de- <laughs> get some kind of debiggening tool and debiggen it. <laughs> yeah, and also as well, when you're trying to shoot that, did you get to the uh, UFO bit? It's the second. No, no, second I didn't. Thing. If you get to the UFO bit on the second part, it's it's it, you can't. It's just laying. It, it's, again, it's too big, and it's yeah. just these two big things just trying to sort of uh, flap right. around. And I found the the, the the CPU wasn't really helping me or hindering me. It just it was just like watching someone else do stuff. It didn't really seem to be really participating with me. Maybe two players, yeah. something in this. Maybe there's some fun to be had there. I don't know. Either way, it, again, yes. another game that completely missed me. You know, I would never come across it before. It did look nice though. I'll give it give its dues, and it sound it did sound and look nice. And the, the idea is a good idea. Just unfortunately, too big. Absolutely, I, I do honestly wonder if, and, and I'm, I could be wrong, but I do honestly think this has, you know, demo demo people. Um, I don't know. I mean, creating the kind of side scrolling, you know, a split scroll in, this, in a screen is no great feat for a no, demo. That's what I mean, coder. but there's just so yeah, there's no there's no know, amazing maybe. logic to apply there. You know, creating side scrolling stuff like that and multiplexing yeah, true, the sprites on those axes met- is easy. We've seen many a um, game with crappy scrolling. Yeah, but it had a nice presentation in to get into the game. It didn't present it with 65 options that didn't mean anything, which is for me no. you know, during this episode, that's already happened. So <laughs> that. That's always good. It's a good thing. Uh, so this eagle, unfortunately, did probably not quite fly free, I'm afraid. No, no it didn't. Uh, no, it did not. So let's move on. We've got a couple more um, to talk about, and then we're done. So let's move along. Graham, over to you again. We've got another American football from the American football section in this game, which obviously to the Americans is just football. So this is GFL Championship Football. It is. Uh, Activision made this, uh, hence the inescapable intro, um, because that seems to be their (laughs) their thing. So this is from GameStar. They also did Championship Baseball, GBA Championship Basketball, and On Court Tennis was one of theirs. Yeah, um, and we liked we've liked some all of those of what we've come across. I think we've liked so far. This is obviously an American football game now, isn't it? Or in the football, as you say, now is a thing. A friend of mine pointed out, and I think this is a good argument that uh, we have football in our land, 
And that is mm-hmm. a game that you play with your foot and you kick a ball. There's a ball. It's a football. So technically, yes. is American football should be called hand egg. So <laughs> because I know, maybe rugby as well, but you know, don't upset these. They're all six foot seven giants. I'm not going to upset them, but maybe where, hand where egg does, is a... Where does, where does hand egg fit on the egg scale? Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking hand is egg. It, is it above or below cat or dog egg? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, this could, could you, you, there is an argument. This could be called hand egg as opposed to football. Anyway, it doesn't yeah. really matter. So this is a American football, football, American football game. Um, so you choose from uh, one or two players. You can choose the duration of your quarters. Now, again, these are options that are relevant and actually take no time at all. Such a relief. Um, yes. So you can choose your division from north, south, east, to west, where you get teams like the Mules, Miners, Goats, Bandits, Retreaters. Don't think we want to play with them. Uh, seagulls, Geronimo, you get the idea. So you can, these aren't real teams. These are made up. But um, they're based on real teams, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's some basis in them anyway. But you you also Pirates get, of the Raiders and stuff. You, you also get, I think they're sort of, because obviously it's the NFL would be the official league and I don't think they've got any of those. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You get the idea. And there's also player stats are there for your offensive line in the alliance. So you get your, you know, your quarterback and there's some there's, there's stuff to look at and figure out and do. But this isn't holding you back. This is just getting you through what you've chosen all of that and you've chosen your CPU opponent, you're into the game. A bit of loading and then it's kickoff and you're kicking off and you're into the game. Now, there's some really, really clever things about this game. So firstly, this is, um, this is first person American football on a C64 and it actually works pretty well. So you're sort of seeing it through the through the helmet. That sounds gross. Through the eyes of <laughs> of, uh, of the player. Um, so first person style. So so you, the, as soon as you kick off, the ball's in play, and then it's you sort of you know you're running. You know if you if you get you to get the ball or however you do it, you're running at the players, and you see his big American football you know, offensive line running towards you or you know whatever your plays doing. And that's actually pretty good. And it runs fast. It's quite a fast pace as well. So it's not like this lumpy sluggish running. This is a as soon as you start at that particular point, you get a, instantly you get a feel for how this is game is going to play out. So it's quite exciting to see that in this kind of game. The UI and everything else on this game is really nice. So it's taken from that. So obviously, then you're into the American football territory, depending on whether you're playing a defensive or offensive. Um, you then get to choose the different plays from a, from a really big list of plays. Now, the instructions really help in this to give you an idea of what those plays yeah, actually yeah, yeah. mean. And you really would need that because it is just a list. So you'd need to know what the various different plays. I'm not going to go through the entire list. There was about there was about thirty different plays you could do, including you know field goal and, and all of the, all the ones you can imagine. So you choose from that, and then you play that out. Now, when you play certain plays, if you're doing a running play, you get the little indication of which direction you've got to run and push forward, and then you're into that sort of first person zooming towards your territory. And all the plays kind of play out that way, whether you're defensive or offensive. And it's a clever game like that. So that because that is an unusual angle to take for this game because for up to this point we've only kind of seen the strategic view so either a pie in the sky view from 17 miles above in space when it was the <laughs> Super Bowl game Super Bowl 20 compared to the the other games that we saw which was this kind of side view which is the good ones so this is a really novel approach to this and I quite admire that because it makes it feel more exciting which is kind of the key to this now I liked the previous American football game we played which was a bit more like a coaching football manager style this is very much about being in and in the field on the line of scrimmage and playing from that line of scrimmage, and it's quite exciting. So you, you obviously you choose your players, you run that play, and then you see it for the hours of play, and you get and you've got to work you through through the game in the quarters, and it's an American football game that you're playing. It goes in between, so you can choose sort of you go in between. Now it's it, as you play through these things, you you build up stats, so you start to build up over time. Your teams are sort of winning, and you can you, you can get quite into it. I was playing this for quite some time, so my team, which was the I think I went in as the mules. Did quite well in, in as we were playing. As I got more into it and, and played through more of these things, you do need to have the instruction book 
to hand um, to, to sort of really yeah. figure out what those plays are because that is quite descriptive about what they do and what the good ones to play. And if you're playing the CPU, the CPU is really hard, which is a little bit of a, I think a little bit of a letdown because I think if, if it had just been, not easy, but if it had just given you a little bit of affordance, it, I think it would have made the game even better because I think you'd have felt like, you know, you would have stood a bit more of a chance. It did feel like you were up against the odds here. So the playing window is fast. You've got good indications of what to do. I think it lacks a bit of some of the tactical feel that perhaps this needs. So knowing how many yards you've gained and stuff, it does. you do get some of that, but you don't know that when you're in the middle of running, which you, you don't generally know anyone when you're playing a crypto ball. As I've played it loads. You don't really often know where you are in the middle of the fray. I was defensive line, so different to playing the offensive line because obviously I, you know, I'm oftentimes trained to try chasing somebody down or trying to murder somebody essentially but um, <laughs> you don't always know but if you're playing a you know if you're playing a passing play um, you then you do need to know how far back your players are going because you need to you know be able to throw that to that person and do all that stuff that said um, that's, a, that's a small niggle in what I think is a really admirable attempt at a good sports game simulation here I didn't think this when I saw the screens in Zap and I saw the screens prior to playing it, I thought, "Is that is that the approach to taking? Is it genuinely first person?" The review was like, "Oh, it, you know, it's first person." I thought, "Oh, this is could this this because this can either be horrible or it's going to be mm. great." You know, there's there's no middle ground. If it goes wrong, it's going to be wrong. So it got eighty two percent, which I think is a good score. About right, maybe a little on the harsh side because they are trying some pushing some envelopes in, trying some you know cool perspectives, which is yeah. always good to see. But I think maybe it got that because the CPU team is hard i didn't play it to play i bet it's brilliant to play to play i don't know how that would work actually but i imagine it's quite interesting to do um so i quite liked it i like it's the best american football game of this type so as a player it's a good game the other one was brilliant as a coach kind of approach as a football manager this is now yeah. to sort of weirdly to weird to say first person approach and this is certainly the best of that type um, so I really, really like this. Um, I, I've So far, I've been impressed with these American football games. This is the second one now. Um, even, the, even the Super Bowl, you know, the Super Bowl 20, whatever, had its merits, although it was just too easy in that instance. So I like mm-hmm. this. I thought this was good. The graphics are good. Indication on the screen's all good. It plays out well. Everything you need to play this game happens with enough speed and merits for you to be able to get into it and get on with it. That's what you want. Take note, Samurai Trilogy, because that isn't what you did, is it? Um, no, I was able to get start and confidently play an American football game with all the complexity of all the plays around that quicker than it took me to decide what kind of samurai I was going to be for a crappy one-on-one fighter. That tells you the tells you everything you need to know. So I like this. Perhaps there's a little tweaks, a couple of tweaks they could have made, but I thought this was really, really good. And I think the review score is is, is sort of gives it that credit. Maybe I would have given it a tad higher because they are doing something quite innovative. But I liked it and I had a lot of fun with it. Did you? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I just thought it was a bit slightly restrictive in when it actually plays out because you uh, I'll come to that but um, it's very it's visually it's really impressive isn't it it's really yeah, you know I thought it was good, good. Um, I did laugh out loud though when uh, did you get a punt blocked yeah, yeah the, the guy just comes in from the, the side it's just, it's like, <laughs> the giant ham flies in yeah <laughs> made me laugh loads that's not far from uh, what it looks like to be fair I know, but it just made me laugh because I just wasn't expecting it. Um, so it's pretty impressive. Uh, obviously, all the plays carried out in that first-person perspective of either that you're either the catcher or the runner. Um, I mean, the first couple of plays I fouled because I didn't realize as soon you know it didn't stop. You have to wait for the you know the and it's quite yeah, uh, it's, yeah. So it's match that it's, is accurate if you if you move. I know, so it's that's 
yeah, I know it is. I know, but I, I wasn't expecting to be able to move that sort of thing. So it was a, a st- first couple of plays. I was like, "Crap, why am I fouling?" Then I didn't move. Then I yeah, obviously you get the blue twenty seven. You get them. You get the crawl out, whatever it is. Um, so there's some nice, you know, try to incorporate some speech, which is a bit yeah, I've got like but... speech in there, but it's there. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, because it adds to that moment of yes. waiting for the hut hut hut. Yeah, when you're not snap. at that moment on the line of scrimmage and the snap of the ball, that's a dead exciting moment. And it does yeah. feel like you capture captures some of that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, which is bad on a you know on a sixty four. No. Um, so the viewport works pretty well, I thought. Um, the game, but the, the problem, I, I didn't. It didn't really allow me to do what I wanted. You just had to follow those arrows. Yeah, because you, you move you, in, so you, you get, selected you, your plays. So yeah, so it didn't really mean. I, I get it, but it was like you have to be spot on to do anything. Well, yeah, and I get it. Yeah. But, so, but it just felt like that the, the the quarterback was thrown to a precise spot. Rather than reacting to where you might actually be, yeah, um, to some, so I think that's a, a, a limitation. Do you know what of I mean? The, of the yeah, because so, so it felt like you have to go two steps forward, one step left, back, and yeah. like you have to be there. If you don't, you're gonna you're gonna fail the throw, and he's, he's got to throw it there anyway. Now, I guess that I guess that that's how American football works. That they like, I will throw it there. Yes. Um, and so that's maybe me not fully understanding the game more because I haven't played it properly. So I imagine because there's no time to think about. I imagine a quarterback no. just goes right. The ball will go that point. I expect you to be well, there. Like, when you practice your plays, that's exactly how it works. When you when the when the coach calls a play, um, again, I'm not offensive. I was never offensive line. But when you when your coach calls a play, um, you practice yeah. those plays over and over and over again, so you know yeah. exactly where that person's going to be. So when the quarterback falls back to throw the ball, he's expecting his one of his player, whoever he's throwing that to and whatever play he's doing, he expects him to be where he's going to throw that ball and yeah. that time. And that's exactly his job is to get there. Yes, <laughs> so. I know. But it just felt like, like it would, but as, you know, you, if you watch American football, if they're not there, the quarterback will sometimes do a snap, a fake or just try to run because it's like, oh, my player's been blocked off. They didn't seem to, and I know that's probably a bit beyond what this could do, but I, I can't, it just felt a bit too, it, this is going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how quite. I think, ex- I think, I think of, that's. I think you you couldn't have that kind of, you know, it's it, fluidity a, if a, in this. If a, yeah, if a quarterback free. is going to if he's going to change the play, and um, which yeah. generally a quarterback wouldn't do, um, even if the, that person isn't there to throw it to, he'll probably he might try and run it through the the defensive line, which would be suicide for us for a, because all of it's thrown <laughs> yeah. in that play. All of the various people have gone to their positions as well, and they've gone to marking yeah. the various. But there is a default, like you said. There is actually a default position, which is if it, if all goes tits up, play the default play, which is whatever you've decided that is for that particular thing. And yeah. so it might be that he says, "Right, I'm going to just try and run the ball through, or, or I'm going to drop on the ball where I can't, because we'd otherwise I'm going to risk losing losing the ball." Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you can't, you don't have that fallback. You don't. You, you either do the play yeah. or you don't. And I, I just what I found was I, I I was always slightly off the catch. So I was like, oh, maybe yeah, I just need to learn hard, a bit. It is hard to catch that ball. <laughs> yeah. So I kept going forward, back, the, uh, and then I was, oh, I'm off again. Yeah. And then I, and then I had to punt, and the guy from the left came flying out of yeah. nowhere and made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's good. Um, it is a good game, and and I was impressed with it from a visual point mm. of view. I thought, um, it did feel it feel. I just felt I don't know. It's, it's it's hard, but I suppose that's American football, isn't it? It's a lot here, though. Uh, loads of teams, lots of plays. Yeah. And if you do I like, like American it. football, and you, and and you clearly do, I know you do. So it's certainly the best looking one. Yes. Um, 
And yeah, I'm, I'm sure that you'd get loads out of this. Mm. For someone who doesn't like American football, I'm not too sure. No, I don't. I just you, I found it. I found it, it, it was it was it was okay. Um, I mean, I, I imagine a nine ninety five. I imagine on tape as well. This would be a bit of a. Oh yeah, uh, I want to play on tape. No, it's got to be a disc version for this. So I imagine that the tape version of this would be painful if there even was one. I don't know in some of these games, but it's it's good and it is impressive. And I think eighty two percent is about right. Um, yeah. And and it's certainly because I mean, essentially, you know, this kind of viewpoint is what you're going to see down the line when you finally get to like three D Maddens yeah, and NFL absolutely. and stuff like yeah. that. Yep. So this is your start of that. We're going to put you in the action. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because as you, as you've rightly said, so far we've had. You know, views from satellite or f- from the side, which you know, you, you you never in that one we played last week, you didn't feel in the action. You no. felt like the coach because the coach isn't in the action. Yeah. In this, it's a pretty good representation of being yeah. in the rough and tumble of of the yeah. you know. Actually as soon as you kick off, field, so. you get, it gives you a really good feel because, like I say, you know, I was, when you part the specials team. So if you're doing the kickoffs and you're part yeah. of that original, you're part of that line, it is that moment is dead exciting. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It's like football, you know, playing football. As soon as it kicks off, it's yeah, it's all go, it's all, it's all go, it's happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I thought it's captured it pretty well. So it's good. So yeah, GFL Championship football certainly worth a punt. Yes. Hey. I will put the drum thing in there. <laughs> you don't have to. That one sells I itself. That might be the trombone. <laughs> that one just sells itself. That one. <laughs> Oh dear, there we go. Uh, let's move on. We've got one game left uh, and then we're done. So let's move on to it. And our last game is uh, another full pricer. A lot of full pricer ones in this one. It is The Detective. So it's Snide to you. Inspector Snide of the Yard. <laughs> He has to speak like that. He has to be that name, doesn't he? he would here have that I am. Um, and, and here Snide. I am. Inspector Snide, here I am at McFungus Mansion where old McFungus has been Dan in. And it's my job to figure out just who Dan it. There you go. Um, so this is the detective. It's another detective game. Our second, we've finished the last part on a detective game. We finished this part on a detective game. Um, so we had who, who shot Sydney. Or what was it, Sydney? Sydney Affair? Sydney Affair, yeah. It was Sydney Affair, yeah. Um, now we've got the detective. So blatant out the detective. This is more Columbo, though, really. Uh, so this is from Argus Press Software. Now, they've not had the best of track records. They released Grey Jill yeah. and Nether Earth. Hey, that's me. <laughs> to name but a couple. Um, and this was coded by Sam Manthorpe, who previously did Out on a Limb. Okay. Yeah. So I was not expecting great things here because, you know, it's not a great lineup. However, however, I thought this is actually pretty good. So this got 78%, and I thought that's probably about right. Maybe even a little low. Um, the object of the game is to work out who killed McFungus uh, from the cast of characters that inhabit the mansion. So you essentially, you're at uh, McFungus Mansion, and you've got to wander around it. You are a Columbo-type detective on screen. She so looks like you're wearing a Big Mac, and you're wondering about this kind of isometric, it's not isometric so much as uh, ultimate style. So think entombed. It's that kind of 3D viewpoint. And you're kind of wandering around the rooms. So you wander around this combination. You've got scrolling rooms, which are the hallways that link all the rooms together. You've got stairs going up um, and things like that. And, uh, and you can enter doorways whereupon it flicks to the room you have entered. So a bit like Great Escape. 
you know, that sort of scrolling with flick screen, single screen room. So it's that kind of combo of that. Uh, but seen from, as in, a, it's, it looks like if this was an ultimate game, you wouldn't you wouldn't think otherwise. You'd think, yes, yeah, it looks mm. like that kind of thing. Um, so in this mansion, and it is quite big as well, so there's quite a lot to wander around and find. The inhabitants of the mansion wander about, muttering stuff. Um, and the, it's weirdly, the mutterings just scroll across the blue bar, which splits the screen in the middle. It's underneath the graphics the graphics at the top. There's a blue bar, and, and this is where sort of information or whatever, a conversation text scrolls across. Um, underneath that bar is the information panel. Um, and you have two bits of this bar. So you've got a small box on the bottom right. And this fills out with context-sensitive icons when you press the fire button. So um, there might be only... There might be only a couple if you press it. There's no one around, but as soon as there's someone around and you've 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 told them to wait, you can then you can ask them to wait and they'll stop moving and then you can go up and ask them questions. You'll get ask question icon, examine stuff and things like that and, and all these kind of things. So you basically press which one you do and that's context sensitive, so it's quite nice. Um, you can examine things, you can talk to people like that. You can check your check your inventory, pause the game, and so on and so on. To left this box like a black little black bit of the screen, and this is the info portion of the screen um, where text informs you of what you have discovered. So it lists your inventory, uh, it tells you if you found anything, and things like that. Um, the pace of the game is quite leisurely. It's not slow, but it's not. It it doesn't feel like it's running trudgily, treacle speed, but it's not fast. It feels about right. You know, you're just wandering around a mansion. You, you wouldn't be running, so it feels about right the pace because um, you're a, you're a, you're a detective just wandering about. Um, but as the as the game progresses, other other characters get killed off. So the game progresses if you don't try and find out who it is. The, the other characters start getting killed off. Like there's a screenshot of one. It didn't happen for something where somebody's had a piano dropped on them um, and things like that. This kind of happens as this game progresses. So it has kind of a bit of a sense of humor to it. And the objective is to guess who the murderer is before everyone is dead. So there is a lot to like here. One of the things I thought was really nice uh, when you're near to an object that you can interact with, the screen flashes to let you know. Um, that's really good. And with something we've not really seen, because so often we just don't know what you can interact with. Ultimate games, I'm looking at you. Um, so we kind of this reminded me of what you'd see in games like Resident Evil down the line, where when you enter those rooms, those predetermined rooms, sort of thing, items that you could interact with would flash. Um, so you knew, oh, there's some bullets over there. They're flat and go and grab them. You know, if there's nothing in there, so they kind of flash. So we're interactual objects. That's quite good. And this is a kind of an early example of that. They're not flashing the object, but you walk up to a, you know, a desk of drawers. The screen will flash. You go right. I can examine this. I can interact with it. If you walk up to someone else and it doesn't, can't interact with it. You know, it tells you that's good. You know, you're not wasting your time trying to search things that you can't search. The graphics are chunky. I thought, but I thought they're pretty well drawn. Um, the sprites are they're you know medium res or whatever but the cast of characters is an interesting and original bunch they're a bunch of weirdos wandering around um and they've all got their distinct personalities and the things they say and lines of text and dialogue when you stop and ask them questions things like that sounds pretty good i thought with some nice atmospheric rain the visual effects as well when you get near a window um it's quite good as well like i said lightning and the screen flashes as the lightning flickers and stuff that's quite nice and it feels like you know if this was with you know something like the great escape this feels like something you could get your teeth into if you wanted something different from the usual blasters and the like but the thing with this compared to the great escape is this feels like it was built for the 64 so it has those graphics that we know work you know this is built on sprites it built on those kind of ultimate the thing with the ultimate games is we always said that the visuals were always very nice and they always ran at a decent speed and decent click and it didn't feel slow and trudgy this doesn't either even though it's not as fast as those because it doesn't it's not an arcade game so I think you could get a lot from this. The only weird thing is the inertial arrow for the icon panel. <laughs> I don't know why it's inertial. Um, it's weird because I find myself bouncing off the sides of it and back into an option I didn't want. Um, it gets a bit annoying. Um, and it is a bit brown. It is 
very brown. I mean, that, that mansion is very brown. But on the whole, you know, this felt to me like a well-designed, a well-put-together game. And it's essentially, you know, you know, it's a bit like Cluedo, isn't it? That sort of thing. Um, I thought, I'd never played this, and I never had any expectations of it. I'd never seen it before. I thought this was quite a nice surprise. And uh, something I wasn't expecting, because I didn't expect with its heritage, I thought this was not going to be that great. But this surprised me, and I did enjoy my time wandering around the McFungus mansion trying to figure out who done it. What about you? Yeah, there's, there's things to like here. So I, like you, thought, oh, no. When I first read the heritage of I thought, oh, no. Mm. But let's give it a go. This It's a nice-looking arcade puzzle adventure, essentially, or a detective adventure adventure game. And there's some things you could really get behind, and there's a couple of things, little points of concern. I actually felt this was, this felt a bit more like um, an Inspector Clouseau. Um, and yes, it, and yeah, the, yeah. The, the opening, the part where he walks in at the beginning where you're in, walking in with the butler, that's almost straight out of the Pink Panther Strikes again because the sequence where the butler walks you into the house and you go and meet everybody in there, you know, Mrs. Cook yes, is the gardener. Yeah. <laughs> I said murder. <laughs> I said murder. That, that bit. Yeah. So there's a there's, there's there's elements of that here definitely. So there's definitely a bit of Inspector Clouseau vibe, especially that film. Mm-hmm. It's got that pseudo 3D isometricy medium res look. But there's nothing wrong with that here because it's it it's well well realized. It sticks to that style and and it works. It works nicely. No slowdown. No scrolly judders. No messing about. It works. So like you say, playing to the C64 strengths. That's a good thing. I like the game. The game felt like Murder on the Mississippi, similar vibe. So walking around, yeah. the crime's been committed, you're asking people stuff and picking up the clues. And, and, that, and, that, and that's a really good thing. And the little icon thing, um, the only thing that annoyed me about that was the inertia arrow because it kind of, you could find yeah, yourself said. Yeah, you know, yeah. sliding a bit over what you wanted. It was a bit annoying. But that's a niggle yeah. more than anything else and you could get used to it. Um, I like the kind of notions of the game. I like the way you could navigate. Uh, it looks good. Sound was good. Um, very, you know, thematic nice and you know some of the drama in it was good like the lightning flash and stuff like that so i i was really surprised actually this took me by surprise because i wasn't sure i'd never played it before wasn't sure what to expect found myself getting quite into it and you know and i think had i have come across this back then i think i'd have really liked it back then it appeals to me Mm. in the way that maniac mansion would later come to appeal to me and stuff like that you know this has little snippets of that humor of that sort of logic of the walking around a mansion and trying to figure stuff out you know there's there's little nods to things that come later so there's some good things i think my only issue with it was perhaps it suffers from a little bit of vagueism at the start um yes yeah, yeah. i think in murder in the mississippi for example you find a body at the start there's a body on the floor um, now, don't get me wrong obviously this went horribly wrong in the sydney affair because you know right at the beginning you see you see the, <laughs> but but Something like this, a detective game needs that. You need to have a thing that happens at the beginning that you to give you a clue of you know the big the big picture and just it just needs to give you a little bit of that affordance at the start so you can just get into things. And there is a it does come in this, but I think it just lacks that thing at the beginning. It just kind of starts starts after that. It's almost like that should have happened and then it starts after that. Even if it was just a descriptive page saying a bit more than there was. No, or a little mm-hmm. bit of a little bit yeah. of an animation played out, something like that, you know. Just you know, even if it was because that's sort of what you get later in the Maniac Mansions. They do that. Zap McCracken does it. That opening sequence of Zap McCracken is his nightmare, isn't it? And that yeah. gives you every, all the information you need about that game in that opening sequence. This obviously these predate those things, so maybe this isn't there yet. But that's a niggle. That's not. I say that's not a complaint. Once you get past that, you, it's a good game to be had here. And I think it, well, there's certain appeal if you like these kind of games and you're into that kind of sort of the ultimate space 
you know, that kind of isometric pseudo 3D look. And this is a good version of that. You like mapping and walking around and finding and figuring stuff out. I think there's, there's hints of Shogun about this in the sense that, and I don't mean in a, you know, feudal Japan, but what I mean is that sort of, you know, you're free to sort of explore and go around and talk to people and figure things out and just do stuff. And if that sort of thing appeals to you in these games, you're going to like this. So I thought it was good. It's a good game. Good one to end on. It's, it, the presentation is a big factor of it and its likability. This is easy on the eye, easy to get into. Take note, spectrum conversions, because those are all the things that you don't do. This game is doing those things and that's why it works so well. Proof that you don't need lots of, you know, you don't have to embrace hardware limitations. Just go, well, you know what? That's just how it is. You know, there are ways you can make these games enjoyable and still have a wandering around finding puzzles and doing stuff. So I think uh, there's a lesson to be learned from this. And I think there probably is. I think now I've seen this, I think there's definitely parts of this that have come to influence other things later down the line. So yeah, mm. I liked it. I, I like the style of it as well. Nice. It's a nice game, that good little game. And 78%. Yeah, it's about right. About right. I think, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I think it's um, just it's just a nice nice game, well made, well produced. Yeah, all, absolutely, all, all works. Good stuff. There we go. That was our last one. So we've looked at a lot of games. Ten, another ten, in fact, from July '87. Uh, we looked at World Class Leaderboard, which is obviously the best leaderboard. We looked at Enduro Racer, which is not the best racing game we've ever played. No, by by some margin. We played uh, Samurai's Options, where fighting got in the way. <laughs> Every now and again, we played Greyfell, The Legend of Norman. Jesus Christ. Uh, we tried to figure out, not who done it, but how do we do it in the Sydney <laughs> affair. <laughs> yep. So how, um, do, how do it? <laughs> how do it? How do it? How do? How do? <laughs> we uh, uh, looked at film and TV. We looked at The Great Escape. Wrong machine, right game. Um, tag Team Wrestling, three years too old. Uh, eagles, massive eagles. Big they, suffered from massive eagling. They're like ostriches. Yeah, too, it should have been too, called ostriches. Too much bigging going on there. Yeah, massive eagling of the sprites. Uh, we got a first-person footballing on with GFL Championship Football, and we tried to figure out who'd killed old McFungus in The Detective. So a good bunch of games there that ranged from pretty decent, very good, to, oh my God, options. Yeah. Um, that's it. Next week, because uh, this is another triple treat. Triple treat. We've got a do. We've got another. We've got twelve games next month to round this all off. Uh, with things like Killed Until Dead, so we continue our detective theming. Mm. So we've got another detective game, Killed Until Dead. Uh, more American football stuff with on-field football and head coach. And uh, we'll see how that goes. We've got The Curse of Sherwood. I am truly looking forward to Spy vs. Spy Three. <laughs> Bet you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have um, we have uh, what else we got here? Uh, Road Trooper, Army Moves. Mm. Um, we have the budget release of karate champ even though it was on the b-side of tag team wrestling weird Random. weird weird shenanigans but we round everything out and and obviously we, uh, probably a big one will be barbarian Wee. um so barbarian makes its uh, bloody entrance next week um and also we have a, a special slot in the middle as well just to fill up the time and whatever you anyway just to say, if you haven't already, and you would really like to, and you would like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash zap to the past and help us out by signing up. And that's uh, about the price of a pint um, a month. And you get access to our Discord server and all the stuff that's going on there. We're running high score champs now, aren't we? Yeah. And we've got high scores and weekly challenges going on on there. So that's all cool. Things are happening. Zolix is the one we're just doing at the moment. Um, and, uh, God damn it. I can't get above 47,000. No, <laughs> it's just dead hard. No, 
It's too hard. I keep making stupid mistakes must, or a must, dot gets yeah, me out of nowhere. Same, same. <laughs> It's like stupid dot and things like that. We're also, yeah, running high score champs and things like that. There's all the other chat and everything going on. There's some cool stuff going on there, um, seeing what other people are doing. And it's just a really nice community growing and growing. So, you know, if you fancy coming along and doing that, that would be grand. I think and that's about it. Have we got anything else that we need to say? No, that's it, I think. That's yeah. it. I think, I think we're out. So there you go. That was episode 57. I have been Adrian Mills. I have been Graham Reddings. And you have been listening to Zapped to the Past. And we will see you, listen to you, talk to you, say things into your ears again next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Zapped to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptuther, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.